This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chapter Tactics, your 40k podcast, which focuses on playing warmer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host, Mr. Petey Pob, and with me, I only have two co-hosts today, but it doesn't mean that we're not going to have any less fun than we normally do. I have with me Mr. Jeff Robinson and Val Heffelfinger. Oh, hey there. Hey there, Val. When, when did you show up? Oh, I've just been lurking in the shadows. It's like you always do in, in Canada. Mm-hmm. In, in shadows of better players. Well, that's that that's that's coming out swinging, bud. What's what's <laughs> what's the deal? What do you have for dinner? I I only say it uh, uh, coming from a place of love and from the shadows of greater players than myself too. You know, I'd um, say I'd I'd say for you know the person who's you know at mm. the bottom of the power rankings of the podcast. That that's that's some pretty pretty tough talk. You know, I take offense to that. I I'm actually at the bottom of the power rankings of frontline gaming as well. I would say that I am the the bottom You're B, a power carry. bottom, if you will. <laughs> uh, so, uh, welcome, guys. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about the broadside bash, the Dallas Open, and many more events that happened this weekend. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about terrain at tournaments. Uh, we're going to kind of take a, a more opinionated, personal point of view towards terrain at tournaments. We're just going to talk about uh, what we'd prefer, uh, what's good, what's ideal, etc. It's definitely not going to be the standard guideline. Um, so if you're tuning into this episode thinking, hey, this is exactly what the ITC wants for terrain at events, no, that is false. This is just our own personal preferences as tournament attendees and players. Uh, so before we get on to that, I did record another live stream battle report uh, on the Facebook group for the Patreon. Uh, it was Mr. Jeff playing against a Tau player by the name of Brian Pullen. Uh, it was live. It was a good two turns of of uh, gaming. Um, and then as if you, you know, look at BCP, you can see what happened. Um, but I think it's also a very important episode to watch, or I guess battle report to watch, uh, because it can, can really show what happens if your opponent plays well with their positioning at uh, your dice are kind of off and you're playing an elite army like Jeff's and how punishing it can be. Um, and so I'll, I'll, I'll let Jeff talk a little bit more about that, but you can watch that live with commentary from me. I thought I did a pretty good job commentary commenting on it. Um, but you can let me know in on the Facebook Patreon group, as well as in the chat, in the Patreon chat, the we Facebook there. chat. There you go. But yeah, if you <laughs> if you guys want to watch that live 
uh, battle report of Jeff's game at Broadside Bash. Just join patreon.com slash chapter tactics. Join our Facebook group and you can watch that live. Also, not live, but you can watch it. Also, we're going to be giving away one Lord Discordant and Jeff's boy Abaddon uh, to one lucky Patreon. So if you want to win uh, Lord Discordant and Abaddon, sign up for Patreon, shoot us some money, or if you just want to support the podcast. Before we begin, a uh, quick topic before we get to the tournament talk. Uh, Battle for LA is coming up. It's it's kind of a big Los Angeles event down here. The T the TFG radio guys are running it. Um, it's shaping up to be a very competitive event. I know Jeff is attending it. Jeff was just talking about his list, um, but I just wanted to briefly talk about it. Uh, I have no idea what I'm going to be running um, at all, uh, and list submission is in five days, so it'll probably be Knights and Assassins and something else. But, uh, Mr. Jeff, what do you think you're going to be running? Uh, this is a good opportunity for me to vet it out to the public, so tell me if it's illegal or whatnot, um, preferably before I get to the tournament and do this. Uh, so I uh, will talk about you know the streamed game and stuff. I love my custodies. They're so fun. I'm putting together chaos space marines i love abaddon i love that stuff um i've got i was at the same i was within 100 feet of don Houston and all of a sudden i have three lord discordants coming to me from two different locations so like i've been infected i'm excited about <laughs> the future for chaos you you put you you answer that no yeah. you will not get three lord discordants yes. twice and don Houston stared into me with those beady little black eyes and i knew in my heart of hearts what actually had to happen and that was that i get three of them um just they're so fun <laughs> fantastic and, and it's gonna die gloriously but anyways i want the option to have that happen to me uh that's in the future battle for la is in two weeks so um fresh for i just had the hemorrhoids removed from my my ass from what brian poland did with his tau to my custodies and i was really excited about the custody list i still am but what tau did to me changed me uh deep on the inside so kind of like at the end of old yeller when old yeller is no longer old yeller it's more of a like rabbit old yeller you know but instead of the guy shooting old yeller the old yeller is going to shoot the guy so i this is my list i'm looking at and i think it's this is the kind of toxicity i want to put out into the world okay so starting off at mcgrye battalion two engine seers of course and then the three by five rangers but i've got some extra points i'm going to give two arquebuses to two of the three ranger units Uh, and then if i can i'm going to i'm just going to call mars and reroll everything and just see if my opponent catches me that's kind of the game plan for that and then uh, super heavy. Ob- by the way, I love Grya. That is, I I swear by it now. I've taken it to a lot of practice games in this tournament. The whole explanation for how you get up, like we even heard Sean get confused by that too. Isn't that beautiful? Like any moment you can confuse the abuse puppy, uh, all kinds of erections start popping up on my body, and I get really excited about it. Um, but after this tournament, I, I swear by it. The the stratagem's good. It's also a pain in the ass because you fail. It's like a two command point stratagem when you fail it, and then when you fail the reroll, you're like. <laughs> Like so, I guess you're doomed. I'm like, yeah, I sure am. Hey, um, so that kind of sucks, but I swear by it otherwise. Then I'm gonna do the Custody Spearhead with Constantine Valdor. Uh, he has exact same points as Trajan, exact same stats. That so threw some people off guard when I put that in my list, but it is Valdor, and I won't hear anything else. The Caladius Accelerator 210, Caladius Accelerator 210, Heavy Teleman 272, and then. And I'm just, I just literally wrote this. I'm going to ask you guys live on air, but you can have how many fast attacks can you have in a spearhead? It's two or like what? Six. Spearhead. Oh, I'm two? sorry, in a spearhead, not an outrider. Is two. It two? It should be two. This list was perfect then. So my two fast yeah. attacks is two palace tanks, and then I have to round it out. 
a super heavy auxiliary. I'm gonna. I dipped into House Raven and I asked them, "What do you got for me?" And they said, "We got some Castellans here." And I was like, "Let me take one of those Castellans off your hands." <laughs> and I'm gonna do that. And then I left for myself um, 104 points left over. And I thought, "Well, I'm Imperium. Let's hire an assassin." So I'll go ahead and do that as well. Uh, which unfortunately still means I have 19 points, but there's nothing I can really do. I could like throw two more Rangers in there. I might do that just to be weird, but that's the list. I think that's the one I'm going to do. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like, it sounds like a perfectly fine list. Uh, I imagine the, the FAQ cutoff for the battle for LA was this weekend. Sounds about right. There will be Castellans. Yes. <laughs> and then in this list, I think you make, uh, okay. you can make it the warlord, right? The Castellan and the auxiliary. Yeah, I'm yeah. new to this whole toxic list building yeah. thing, so that's why I'm asking these questions. But I usually just have the people explain <laughs> yeah, to me, and then I take out. Them. In this case, I want to be one of those guys, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do this because it's really light on CP anyways. I'm just gonna go into it with nine, but minus one for the assassin, so I can you know house raven a solid one time before my assassin kills somebody, hopefully. But it's a heavy hitting list. This is about as much firepower as you can cram. Like this is ridiculous. Yeah, you're you're really light on bodies, but I don't think you care too much. Um, I I think you might miss the custodian guard oh, of a course. little, but um, you know what? I don't know. Well, yeah, I love those guys. It's just, uh, and they don't they don't serve me poorly at all. But, um, I I, I can't even begin to like I I swear by, and this is I guess we're getting ahead a little bit, but like the two Caladius and Telemann, that firebase with uh, Trajan backing it up, rerolling ones on both sides of that is absolutely insane. It just floored people. That's why he was chilling back yeah. there. The reroll a wound, too. And that's what tips it over, because the strength 8 minus right 2 on. D3 damage, Caladius shots are really, um, you know, that that's that's doubling out power armor across the board for a lot of the case. And, it, and most of the time, it's at least wounding on 3s. And when you get to reroll that 1, that's very, very efficient. So it's it was quite the fire base. It was ridiculous. 60. What's the range on them? Then they have okay, six shots at strength six minus two one damage. That's only 36. But what's so cool about that is that strength six doubles out like tough three. So rangers and, you know, just all the chafe stuff that's out there. I'd very often put the big gun into uh, the target that I really need dead. And then I just would plink at the infantry with the other, you know, the smaller shots. And I would I would be getting my butcher's bill or I'd be clearing chafe every single uh, two or three tanks, basically. One thing I really like about them that I saw you doing at the Broadside Bash was putting them in, in really weird spots to get angles on things that you normally yeah. wouldn't be able to shoot. Uh, and, and it's something that the Imperium as a whole, as a faction, just doesn't the have access to. The fly really catches right? people you off guard. Uh, there's all kinds of ways yeah. to, to make that super, super useful. And the fact that they move 14 and they have power of the machine spirits, they don't lose out on efficiency is, is really, really good. Um, this list is missing the minus one to hit banner, which I did like, but, and, and this is like a slight, but it's like 50, 50, the tough matchups, things like Luda's or Tau, um, or even Reapers, they don't care about that banner. So the banner was like kind of, it was a little bit overkill against the people that were already going to struggle to hurt these tanks anyways. Um, obviously it would still be nice against like the Havocs that are going to be out there. There should be some Blitz, that kind of stuff. Like that would be a nice thing to have. But against the other powerful lists, uh, Reapers and whatnot, like I just listed, it doesn't help at all. So, yeah, it, and uh, the the little tank, 
I actually love them so much. The moment I realized that they were really good, because I've always been kind of high on them, but I've never seen like a, a top mm-hmm. quality player play with them. Um, but when you jumped over 16 inches max over that giant wall in front of Daniel Olivas's army um, to cover your Kalexis assassin so that you had perfect psychic mm-hmm. denial coverage with your assassin, took the middle of the board from him, killed the two Venoms, and then basically just told him, like, here, deal with this thing because you have to while my entire army moves up and, and gets ready to crush you. I thought that was yeah, pretty Yeah, thank you. That, pretty That's, cool. that is the absolute... Because it's so funny because people ask, they're like, what is that thing? And it's like, well, it's it's either two shot strength seven minus four, three damage, reroll against vehicles, only range 36. Or it's six shot strength five minus two, one damage. Um, which is all okay, but it's the fact that it's got eight wounds and it doesn't degrade and it moves 16. And then it has that gravitic backwash, which is such an annoying rule um, for opponent. There's so much assault armies out there right now. Like this kind of stuff, move blocks, it grabs projectors like you just said. It's just a nuisance. It's just really, really fun um, in the movement phase and just in, in the like how it positions itself. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah. All right. Val, are you going to any tournaments in the next couple of weeks? I've got the Can-Ammer team tournament, but that's not for about another month yet. So okay. we're coming up on our list deadline. <laughs> I was supposed to have my list in tonight to my team. Uh-oh. Did not do that. Uh, but yeah, running, running some Mega Knobs. Nice. Um, the fat cutoff was this weekend. And um, I was pretty vocal saying that we should adopt the fact if it drops soon. I was hoping to see it today. Um, didn't happen. So we'll see. We'll see because I've also heard some rumors about orcs, which might switch me to the other side and say, you know what? This fact thing, let's not rush into it. Oh no! We'll see what happens. <laughs> I have no idea what's what what's accurate and what's not. So uh, we'll we'll have to wait and see. But there'll, there'll be no game changing, um, big big deal items in this. We're all sure. So yeah, uh, I can say that this FQ is going to be very large and very good for the most part. People are going to be very happy with it. Yeah. Um. But uh. But yeah. So so um. One thing I wanted to ask you about, Val, because we obviously we played, right? And if you guys want to watch it, it is in the Facebook Patreon group. Um, so you can watch Val absolutely crush me. Um, it was I really like the <laughs> I really like the one Mega Knob unit. Um, what what are you running for your orc for your orc list? Did it change much from? Well, obviously it changed much from what you played me with, obviously because yeah. you just put together like a random orc list. But um, yeah, I grabbed. Spirit, a... Is it good? No, I just I grabbed uh, what I could off of uh, the shelf that Reese had. He happened to have fifteen mega knobs, which was cool. Uh, he had like twenty lutas, but so yeah, my my list will be uh, triple battalion because yeah. that's minimum. Um, and then uh, right now I'm running them uh, two of the battalions as bad moons. Uh, in uh, the first one, call it two weird boys, you know, uh, thirty grots. Second one is is the ten mega knobs just with custom shooters. And then uh, also uh, fifteen lutas and uh, a war boss with uh, with a claw, um, and uh, in that one would be the um, Big Mac. It's etc rules, so no index choices. So it's Big Mac with a custom force field and mega armor, which sucks because he's like forty points more for no reasons. Um, and then uh, the final detachment is another battalion with two Big Macs with shock attack guns, the Dreadwall formation, and thirty grots. That's the whole thing. Oh, and a battle wagon in the Bad Moon side of things. Um, the idea being there that I can hide my Bad Moon's characters and the the loot is on on the first turn. Use the Grat shields on 
on a unit of Mega Noms if I need to. In my one test game in which I mulched some custodies that were very kind to me. and uh, charged towards me. <laughs> I know, I know. It was, it, was, it was a bad day. In the opponent's turn, I killed um, something like three guard, custodian guard, uh, Trahan, um, one of those shield, uh, the, the banner guy, and seven wardens. What? Because I, I interrupted and swung twice. Ugh. With 20 mega knobs near a wa banner, and they had been warpath in the previous turn. It was Wait, filthy. It was awesome. You played someone that charged 20? Hang on, hang on. Hang on. So they yeah, charged yeah. 20 mega knobs, and you were able to interrupt. Mm-hmm. Like, what did they swing with first? The and wardens. They kill the mega knobs? They killed so seven? 13 swing twice? Actually, sorry. The custodian. The, I, I overstated it. The custodian guard died in the previous turn. That's an overstatement. My mistake. I killed seven wardens. The shield guy and Drahan. Ugh. Just close the fucking fen- show. It was phenomenal. This is. It's <laughs> 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 amazing. It was, he, he, just, he just he just was like GG. I was like, okay, cool. And uh, we uh, we you had. You know what I would have done to you about? Went home. It was, it I was a great sat day. about seven inches what? away from you. I would have tangle-footed your ass on the movement, and then I would have tangle-footed your ass on the assault. And then you'd still make the charge and kill all of them, and then I'd flip the table. That's what I would have done. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and you know what? I will tell Ian to tune into Chapter Tactics for that cutting-edge tactical advice. We decided that it was probably not a good idea to charge 20 Mega Knobs afterwards. 20 Mega Knobs? You're also never going to see 20 Mega (laughs) Knobs, unless you're playing Val, I guess. Like, I've never... Who owns twenty mega knobs? It's it's it. Um, formerly people who had money, I guess. Um, they're so expensive. Aren't they like fifty bucks Canadian a model or something? They're not fifty Canadian a model, but they are seventy nine Canadian for three. Uh, it's close enough. It's like a Lord Discordant or three mega knobs, basically. Oh. Um. So that's that's pretty hilarious. Actually, the list, uh, Jeff, is is one that I, I picked because it's it's done well internationally at various tournaments. The first one that uh, actually you can see it, um, you can see the the version that he ran in the uh, ANZ Masters. He runs thirty mega knobs, and uh, I think his name is Liam. He's from Australia. He's a crazy man, and uh, the legend has it that he was just a very lazy guy and didn't want to run boys, so he just packed his list with mega knobs. And at CanCon, he did very awesome. well with it. And and then that list got like cut, paste, copied, and I think went undefeated at a tournament in Europe. I can't remember exactly which one. If if Peter was here, and I was like, all right, two guys have done well with Mega Knobs. I'm gonna do this because oh man, 200 bodies is just mm. too much for me. So and it's it's a lot of fun. Like if you get the Wah Banner in there, you get them buffed properly. They're just they're just big brutes who beat stuff up. It's great. Uh, so I have one quick question, then we'll jump on to the tournament coverage. So so this is obviously for a team event, so this is a team list. Uh, yeah. What what are you hoping to run into? What kind of lists are you hoping to run into? Or what kind of role you, do you want to play? I guess some crumping stuff. I think it's a pretty good attacker list because, um, you know, it can get out and, and, and mix things up. Uh, probably want to try and avoid things that can counterspell me, you know. Um, you know, something that's going to kill my, you know, grot screen or... Or what have you? That that wouldn't be the the, the most ideal scenario. Um, so I want to duck Dark Eldar and Gene Steeler cults. But otherwise, I think it would probably do pretty well. It it, it shoots really well because you know even fifty in Ludas, 
as long as you're rolling the two or the three, um, you know, they're, they're going to be putting in a lot of work. The shock attack guns, it's a lot of, of meanness. Cause, uh, um, Steve Pamprian pointed out to me that death skulls actually can reroll a hit, a wound and a damage roll every time the model fires. So when you double shoot the death skull shock attack gun, he gets a reroll both times. Oh which, no. Which was neat. I thought it was only once. So that was a cool thing to learn. Um, and those guys are just devastating. I, I I really love the shock attack, and I hope he survives the big fact. Um, and the Ludas I added back, I actually had sort of a cuter version of the list, which I sort of paired back and added Ludas back in. And um, So I don't know. I think it's fun. Honestly, I, our our team is, uh, is, is, well, we'll see how we do, but we're probably not the most competitive. Um, I confirmed late for it, so I'm not with my normal cash money hammer team. They moved on without me. Oh no! Um, yeah, so I'm on uh, the CNX Tuesdays, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, we put up a good show. Good, good. It's a it's an overall scored tournament, so there's there's waiting towards paint and sports, and the sports is like have fun with your opponent, bring him a bring him a beer, whatever. It's it's a good good time tournament, but it's also a training event for Team Canada. So some very very strong players are there, at least from our neck of the woods. So uh, it's it's always a great event. It's one of my favorite ones every year. All right, we look forward to that. Uh, and then in about a month, month and a half, we'll we'll be into ETC season, and that'll be great. All right, uh, moving on to tournament talk. Uh, so if you're wondering where to follow along with these lists that we're going to pull up and these tournaments, go to 40kstats.com and Best Coast Pairings. Uh, either or, you can do both. You can do one or the other. Uh, we're going to use 40kstats.com because Peter has laid out the top four lists for the events that happened this weekend. In New feature. Format. New new feature too. New he, feature. Yes. So you can now go to 40kstats.com. You can look at the top four lists. Just click on it and then boom, the drop down. You can look at any tournament and then you can look at any list in that event. You get all top four lists. Uh, so it's event. it's every top four of every um, GT that he's covered basically from the LBO onwards. So this is a lot of hot and fresh list tech from some of the best 40k minds in the game. Yeah, and he and he had these out Sunday, so he started getting these out on Sunday. So the, literally right after the event started finishing, he was putting these lists up. Um, so great props to Peter. Um, give him a shout out, and you know he's a great guy. He's a hard worker. All right. So our first tournament for the weekend is going to be Warriors Weekend Two. Uh, this was a forty-player GT. Um. Let's go ahead and go to the list real quick. Uh, Mr. Jim Vessel won this list uh, with essentially his Adepticon list. He had a, a Chaos Demon or a Chaos Allegiance list with a Pox Springer, Sloppity Biopiper, 60 Plague Bears, 3 Nurglings, um, a Chaos Undivided Detachment with a Changecaster, Demon Prince of Chaos of Corn, 15 Bloodletters, 20 Pink Horrors, 10 Brimstone Horrors, Armon, 2 Demon Princesses Inch, a Sorcerer and Terminator Armor. Uh, Hellforged, Contemptor, Dreadnought, all in a thousand sons attachment, and uh, that's it. That's that's the list. Would somebody stop this man? That's I think he's, that's three. That's three in a row. Yeah, he he's making a good early case. If you guys remember last year, Matt Root, Matt Root, not last year, like uh, in Matt Root's uh, ITC champion winning year, um, he pretty much did this exact same thing where he won Adepticon. And then and then just steamrolled a bunch of events, uh, kind of like in the Michigan GT area, kind of like that circuit. Um, and then kind of took a summer off, and then proceeded to stomp events in December, um, or, or the winter, fall, 
uh, to win the LVO, or not to win the LVO, but to win the ITC. Um, so, you know, Jim Vessel making a strong case already for himself to, to be one of the top players uh, to win the list? ITC. I love it, yes. too. And yeah, he, I mean, I he, it was great they had him on the show. He seems like a super awesome, nice guy. He's doing it the right way. Like, his list is just really, really cool and utilizing some really fun stuff. And it's kind of cool, too. Some people frown on this concept. I never do. I think it's, and it's like also just a part of competitive Warhammer, but Already in these chaos lists over here, uh, I'm seeing that five points of summoning. Brilliant. Uh, I'm seeing yeah. the Contemptor or whatever the fuck, Forge World Dreadnought with the, the the gun, you know. It's just such a good, smart list that has the the corn um, prince with the axe as your like, kind of countercharge, answer for a knight, that kind of stuff. I love it. It's just that that's the kind of uh, army and list that I like to bring to the table usually for myself as well and it's fun seeing somebody win continuously and in, in, against the big dogs with it yeah yeah and, and jim's a really good player too he's, he's definitely one of the top dogs if he wasn't considered one already he is now um in second place we had a mostly admech list uh though though it would be considered imperium list now in the new itc uh the new ITC faction rules. So this is uh, Mr. Cameron Bowler came in second place with two Tech Priest Engine Seers and three units of Skitari Rangers, three by five, uh, two with two Transuranic Arquebus. Yeah. That's Arquebus. Okay, that's what you said. This is a cool. Stygis attachment. So um, he, he went Stygis instead. Uh, and then he had a, a Ryza detachment or a mixed, mixed Admech detachment with two Ryza uh, HQ choices, one Dominus, one mm-hmm. Manipolis. Uh, two Skatari Rangers, nine Catafront Ryza Destroyers, three Ryza Castellan Robots, and then a Supreme Command Detachment with Trajan, three Donegal Jetbike Captains, and one Assassin. I haven't seen that in a while. The triple Donegal Jetbike. If you you need to have Countercharge. Uh, what's really nice about those Shield Captains is they also give you uh, anti-fly, so if like an Eldar Flyer flies right up in your face... Yes, you can shoot it, but sometimes they can go to like minus three if they're just outside your range or whatever. And that could be a big problem. The nice thing about his list, and this is something that uh, more people are going to see more of, Ryza Plasma Cataphrons will absolutely eat your lunch. They will then take your car, run you over with it, back you over, and then drive your car through your house and then get out of it and still be okay. Like they will destroy you. Um and the rise, I, I believe what he has here is that he has that detachment where with the Cataphrons and the Destroyers, they do something like plus one to hit. Ryza has a stratagem for plus one to hit and wound or something for Plasma. So they're not even overcharging. Or, I mean, they overcharge and then they can't die for the most part. And they wound everything on like threes and twos and do three damage. They just kill you. They're D6 shots each, I believe. So, Mega Knobs, problem in that list against this. Got it. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll definitely trip a unit. <laughs> they kill anything. It, like, this and, is a... It's like the other version of Tau. So, you if you can get through... If you can tag them, they're in trouble, right? But that's what the shield captains do, and that's why this list is so nice. Their big problem is their range is pretty short. They're, I think, just range 30 or 36. And yes, they can move, but, you know, 36 is not the longest of range. Um, so if you can outrange them and hit them directly, and they don't have that much defense either. Like, I believe they have a stratagem for a five-up invul, but, you know, five-up invul, not the greatest. Uh, yeah, the, the the coolest thing about them, I think, is that it it's 
only 400 points for a unit of nine. And they're troops. Which sounds like a lot. It's like 400 points. Yeah, exactly. They're they're an obsec, you know, 27. I think yep. they're three wounds each, right? So 27 wound obsec unit that'll delete anything it gets in a range of for 430 points. That's that's actually, that's pretty good. You know, 430 points is only fifth of your army. That's not bad. You know, um, no. So, uh, it, you know, they're great. They're they're good. Um, and, and Cameron Buller obviously did well with them. Knows what he's doing. Uh, third place we had White Jensen with an orc list. Uh, not not your typical three battalion. He had actually two battalions and then uh, twenty commandos and twenty Ooh. tank busters and a blood axes uh, detachment with two trucks. Uh, and then other than that, it was kind of your typical. What what you expected? War boss boys, weird boys, big mechs, uh, ludas, the usual suspects. Uh, in the fourth place, we had JT McDowell um, with a dark Eldar list. He had uh, the fifteen racks, a homunculus Urian Rakarth, and a prophet's flesh detachment with seven grotesques and two talos, uh, and then a cabal the blackheart detachment with scourges and archon and three ravagers, and then a venom to put stuff in. Love it. So he had kind of like the the fat the fatty dark Eldar list is what I like to think of it as just a bunch of really tough fat troops and and elite kind of dudes grinding up everything with with the cabal the Blackheart ravagers flying around shooting stuff. So there you go, uh, pretty diverse. Uh, I think even even with the new ITC factions, we had a chaos uh, Imperium, an orc, and a an Eldar dark uh, dark Eldar list. Not too bad. Uh, moving on to Mork's Maritime Open. Um, this is uh, this is Peter's pals out 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 east. Well, did you know Peter played in this game or played in this tournament? No, I don't think he was able to attend. I think it was his intention to. He was doing some remote judging, from what I understand. I don't know how that's done exactly. He probably directed a plane with a camera on it to fly over the ice cave that they were all playing in and just watched the top table game from the plane. In America, that would probably be a drone. Uh, in Nova Scotia, that's probably just like a float plane uh, with a webcam, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> uh, but we're only going to talk about Ben Pelzer's uh, first place list, the only player to go undefeated. Uh, ben Pelzer... Um, was running your typical Castellan list. He had uh, two company commanders and a Tempestor Prime in a battalion, or in, I'm sorry, in a, a brigade, uh, a Katachan brigade with the all the all the guardsmen, all the infantry squads, uh, Tempestus Meltagun command squad, a Tech Priest Industrial, an Astropath, three Hellhounds, three by three mortars, uh, quest, a House Raven Knight Castellan, and three Dawn Eagle Jet Bike captains. Um, it's uh, kind of you know your typical Castellan guard list, uh, nothing too special. Sorry, Ben, um, but wow. you know you don't you don't get special brownie points for wow. net listing, but I think you the, do get points for winning and doing well. I think the important thing here is that these boys came to play these these top four lists. I mean, net listed as they are, there's 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 some he- have some heavy heat here. <laughs> yeah, it, it the other the I think the towel list is is kind of unique. Although uh, you know maybe maybe you're. Uh, Maybe you can help out here, Val. I I don't see hammerheads very often. He had one burst cannon, ion cannon ha- hammerhead, and one railgun hammerhead, um, with with kind of the usual tau stuff. Uh, I I don't see any. Uh, I see one cold star battle suit. Yeah, well, at least yeah. he, he's got the broadside. The broadsides, at least he does. He uh, does have the broadsides with heavy rail rifles, so not high yield missile pods. 
yeah, yeah. The okay. towel list is kind of unique. Um, Logan Marks. Uh, but I, I, I would, I would go. You know what, Dennis, Dennis's Thousand Suns list with the with the two Mauler fiends and the Mutalith Vortex Beast. This is Ooh. this is kind of what what I expect. So so usually what what I see is is the smaller GTs, the thirty to forty person GTs that tend to be more localized. You'll usually have one or two guys in the top four with like the net list, and and they might even usually win the GT. But then you've got you know, guys with like a spattering of really powerful HQ choices. And then like what I can only imagine as like being either their pet model or the, you know, one of the only painted fully painted models that they have available that they want to run. Uh, and then they bring that. So that that's usually kind of like what I see in the local scenes and the local GTs and, and you know, Morks Maritime is no exception. Um, but congratulations. This is the new meta, man. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. It's the new meta. Morks Maritime app. Open, they get you get a lobster roll with admission. It's fantastic, and congratulations, guys, on a successful tournament. No, yes. no scandals coming out of the coming out of the east coast of Canada. Yeah, it's great that that they live in such a remote location. And got a thirty-two person GT. That is that's crazy. Um, but congratulations to Ben. I mean, it's not uh, it's not that remote. We're not talking about Newfoundland here. It's it's kind of Peter. Peter lives like out in in. The middle of nowhere, right? That, that's just what I imagine. He just sits so next quick to geography Andrews. lesson for 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 America. Uh, the east coast of Canada is on the east oh, side okay. of Canada. Uh, mm. Peter lives uh, basically at the Arctic Circle uh, on the west side of Canada. This is where he's from. Thank you. So yeah, cool. There you go. So re- <laughs> so remote. So they got thirty-two people out in a remote remote ish. What do they part use for Canada? You know what, Val? <sighs> Canadian dollar oh, for okay. pelts, thought, yeah. you know, bottles of booze, you know, the same as usual yeah. everywhere. <laughs> okay, uh, next up is uh, Warzone Gigabytes. Uh, Warzone Gigabytes uh, had 66 players. It was not an ITC event, um, or uh, it was a non-ITC format event, or maybe mm-hmm. it was non-ITC event. I'm not sure. I just ITC see non-ITC. Event. Okay, so it was an ITC event, but not ITC formatted. Um Chris Blackham won with uh, an, a mixed Eldar list. He had uh, Cabal, the Blackheart Detachment, with an Archon, three Ravagers, a Raz- and th- two Razorwing Jet Fighters, uh, and then an Airwing Detachment with three Crimson Hunter Exarchs and a Hemlock Wraith Fighter, and then finally an Alatok Detachment with two uh, Farsier Skyrunner, Warlock Skyrunner, three, three by five Rangers, and a unit of nine Scatter Laser Wind Rider Jet Bikes. I want to um, say like the entire top sixteen of Adepticon was playing in GTs again yeah, this weekend. weekend. Yeah, crazy. yeah, it was huge. Yeah, a lot of big names out here. Um, so that you know, <clears throat> I I really I really uh, don't know how I would personally handle an Elder Flyer list. Typically in the past, I haven't done very well against them. Um, I I think they're probably one of the most, if not the most, annoying lists to play. Um, just because you you know you're shooting at at minus two to like, you know, most most of your powerful shootings at minus two. And then no, eh, anyway, stuff. Know. How do, I mean, how do you guys feel about these? The big uh, the easiest mm-hmm. obviously it's an impossible answer generically, but one of the biggest mistakes someone will make is they'll take their heavy hitter and say, putting it all into that flyer. And then they go, Okay, cool. You're hitting at minus three. And you're like, oh. Um and then most of your shots are wasted. So you gotta split up your shots for the most part or try to get them to to bait out one of them. So you take something that, that does hit fairly hard, put its shots into an Eldar flyer, 
And then when they make that one minus three, you switch up everything else into the other one um, and go for that. But again, you're not wrong. It's very annoying. You can move block very well. They hit hard. They move everywhere. Hemlocks in particular are kind of annoying because even if you degrade them, they still move everywhere and they still shoot at full efficiency. <laughs> so it's tough. Yeah, and and I, I think that they're they're a really good answer to Castellan lists, um, spe specifically the guard plus Castellan list, um, because you can move block the guard who can't really hurt you, and the Castellan is just one model shooting, you know, X flyers inefficiently even with the House Raven strat, uh, and then you know, but but Brandon Grant's obviously won that matchup, so I think I'll pick his brain well, yes, a little no, bit more. Another mistake that people make too is they're like, oh, move block the Castellan or get too close, and then it walks up and it's like, oh, it also has four Melta guns. I forgot about that. And then even if it's at mm -hmm. minus two or one, if you're too close, um, or if you want to use all three on the, the one, you know, the point is everything that gets through is super lethal. It's 2d6 damage if they're at half range. Yeah. Well, take the highest, but it's just, it's just very lethal. In second place with Mr. Michael Sells uh, with a Magnus the Red appearance. He had uh, Magnus the Red in a Lord of War detachment, uh, change caster, uh, three by three flamers, um, or three by two flamers, something like that. Three units of flamers, uh, a Lord of Change, the Changeling, it's 90 pink horrors, I want to say. Oh, I'm sorry. 30 pink horrors, 10 brimstones, 10 brimstones, and then a Supreme Command, 1,000 Suns attachment with a Demon Prince's Inch and three sorcerers, uh, three Zine sorcerers. Um, and that's the list. That's, um, that's definitely an interesting list uh he has other than the pink war bomb and magnus the red and aramon i guess um not a lot of the usual chaos suspects uh what's the word on these flamers Hands for Alexis. okay so they just kind of like run up to him and give him put like a bunch of wounds that he they can't save it. and he dies those lists the chaos assuming. lists that are relying on a lot of smite spam if you have a Calexus, you literally just put it in front of your army, and they actually can't do anything, except for the targeted smites, but then a lot of the times, that's at minus two. So the efficiency of the entire mm -hmm. army gets uh, like uh, demolished. Um, so I strongly recommend a lot of these Thousand Suns lists and stuff like that to find summoning points if you don't want to commit it right off the bat, because then you can have a little bit of utility. But if you just straight up put the flamers in your list, you're just saying, these are okay, but if I face a Calexus, this is my answer. Okay. So and, and that's good. That's a good bit of tech against the assassin, and you're going to definitely see a lot more assassins. So I think that's also a really good meta call, right? Because any Imperium player you're playing against is probably going to have 85 points. Probably going to requisition a Klexus against you. They yeah, they probably don't know what Zinch Flamers do because Zinch Flamers aren't being used very often. So it, it is kind of a recipe for success. Um, and obviously Michael Sells did pretty well going in second place. Uh, in third place we had Damian Owen with a an Imperium, or actually an Admech list. Yeah, look at what we have here again. More Admech. So this this guy is running two Tech Priest Engine Seers, three Skatari Rangers, and a Stygis Detachment, with six Sidonian Dragoons, a mm -hmm. model I absolutely love, uh, and then a Ryza Detachment with uh, a Dominus, a Manipolis, uh, 12 Catafron Plasma Destroyers, two units of 10 Skatari Rangers, four Servidors, and four Heavy Phosphor Castellan Robots. Quick question. Uh, to the uh, Admac genius on the podcast, what is the stratagem that has to do with these uh, these servitors? 
that that uh, Admech yeah. has access to? Do they just get to regenerate servitors? I've, I've, so, I haven't actually read about it. He has servitors in the list, right? Yeah, so you take servitors, and in the first Vigilus book, there's a stratagem where uh, Adominus can resurrect dead catafrons out of the out of the servitors. You like literally break their bodies apart and, and bring back catafrons. And it's awesome. Far out. And servitors are really, oh, really man. cheap anyways. And nobody shoots at them or does anything about it. And the strategy, yeah, I points. think, is one command point to bring back cataphrons, which is... It's up there. It's one of those things where, again, not a lot of people know about that. Of course, they'll ask about it, probably, and you'll, you know, you'll want to explain. And that's cool. But it's just one of those, like, linchpin, like, you weren't counting on that, and then there they are. They come back. Yeah, and I mean, in the meantime, they're, they're, they can be an engineer if they, you know, if you really need them to be. Uh, you know, and then they're just doing nothing. Well, they're just, just not holding you back a lot. Like you, you talk about tax stuff and a lot of lists, and they're just not really that much of a tax. They're just inexpensive, and if they don't work out, who cares? Yeah, yeah, and and for twenty points exactly, for you know. All right, and then fourth place we had an actual Harlequins list. Uh, Alexis Put, uh, running a Shadow Seer and a Dan the Silent Shroud. Dance of Nightmares made flesh. I, I'm assuming that's the mask form. Um, with a, a Shadow Seer with Death Jesters, two Death Jesters and a Solitaire, uh, 12 Skyweavers and two units of six, uh, and then another Silent Shroud with Shadow Seer, a Troop Master, five, or 15 troops with five Fusion Pistols, two Void Weavers, and a bunch Holy of star, three Star Weavers. I'd like uh, to point out uh, that three of the, the top four lists, not the toppest, but nonetheless, three of the top four lists are mono Very faction cool. in this case. Yes, yeah, other than the mixed Eldar, and pure Harlequin. That's actually uh, really cool that they did that. I mean, hardcore. they're good. Don't get me wrong, but they just have bad matchups. Like, guy's got twelve haywire bikes. If he faces vehicles, yeah, that's a dream scenario. But he's not even taking Doom or, uh, well, just Doom really, which kind of puts their efficiency through the roof, and still was able to do very well with that. That's awesome. Yeah, a sixty-six person GT no, is, is no joke. Yeah, and th- this is uh, this is the Warzone crew. The same uh, this is the general staff. Kelly Wallace is the TO here, I think, as well, or at least helping out. I'm not sure if he played. Um, you know, they're running those that that mission pack. Um, so it's uh, it's it's definitely some some excellent players that are showing up to this event. So I'm I'm pretty impressed that three three mono factions and also two of them haven't gotten a lot of love lately, at least from from talking heads so uh that was really cool yeah especially harlequins right like admech i think are are on have been on yep. the rise since elvio so i i definitely would not sleep on admech i you know i haven't been sleeping on them in a while but definitely not now anymore uh but harlequins is monofaction harlequins is definitely a big deal it's a good solid win good performance all right and then uh over in the uk uh mr manny chima or or nick nonavati 2.0 or British Nick Nonavati, whatever you want to call him, um, cool. Mr. Manichima, <laughs> coming in first place with Tau. Um, <clears throat> he had a uh, Tau Sept detachment with Commander Sato Sun, uh, Riptide, three by three broadside bash, broadside battle suits with Whoa. six. Yeah, yeah. You you want to read this volume a little? Everything's a little pushed together. Oh, I'm so, I'm sorry. I'm just blown. It says nine broadsides. Yes, it is. Uh, all all rocking the high yield missile pods. Um, they also all have seeker missiles. That's a five point upgrade. I often see people pass on, but I don't think that's uh, 
something to sleep on. Uh, and then you've got uh, an outrider detachment, Tausep, the Kadra Fireblade, uh, a uh, you know a pedestrian f- fifteen shield drones. Um, although he's got, actually no, he's got another thirty shield drones total. Yeah, thirty shield drones altogether. Oh my goodness! And then a Kadra Fireblade, an Ethereal, and um, three Fireside Marksmen for that that um, always essential Cesaris uh, Vanguard detachment. Um, so does he have, did he even bother with the brigade? He did not even bother with the brigade. He's got six CP, all balls. This is awesome. No wonder he won. Good God. <laughs> yeah, th- that is actually really funny that you mentioned that because he's only got six CP. Uh, Jeff, you played yeah. Tau this weekend. Um, you played a different Tau list. You, you played against, uh, six broadsides no, and three, three broadsides, riptides. Three, rip- three broadsides, three riptides. Um, how do you think you would have handled this list? I missed the detail. What's the difference? So, so it's nine broadsides and one Christ. riptide. Still thirty shield drones. Still all the usual suspects. Less CP. Only six. No shows. way. He has a riptide. No riptide. Yeah, he's got a riptide right here. Elite one in the spearhead detachment. Holy shit! With an ion accelerator. Yeah. Madman. Sorry. It's continue, a, Jeff. It's just a gross amount of firepower, but it's it's like um. It's really hanging it out there. Like it's, it cannot have that many drones. Its mobility is really bad. Like if broadsides have to start moving, it gets rough. They don't have fly. If they get tagged, it's pretty much over. Uh, absolutely, it is. Whereas riptides have a lot of that mobility, and then with more drones, you're able to kind of buffer. It's the same concept, so it's not like these things don't exist. And I get that, but this is putting all your eggs in one basket. So like a long table, long range, and the broadsides have to kind of come at you. It's going to be very rough. Probably has the ability to advance and shoot without penalty for one phase or one turn rather, um, yep. and that's where this becomes a little bit less risky. But it, you know, terrain density or you know they'd have to kind of wiggle around line of sight that kind of stuff. It gets really rough. Um, but yeah, if this list gets to shoot you, nothing stands. Absolutely nothing endures that storm. So that must have been fun for the guys that lost him. He must have. They must have had a real. <laughs> Uh, you know, strategic battle where they're like, damn, I just barely wasn't able to squeak it out. What happened? I got fucking annihilated. <laughs> Everything's dead. <laughs> oh. Well, the uh, the Riptide with the Ion Accelerator has target lock on it. That's kind of a neat little wrinkle, so you can move and shoot. Um, and then, yeah, Shadow Sun's gonna move that whole blob of, of broadsides with their six-up feel-no-pain ethereal um, right up to, to wherever it needs to go, surrounded by 30 drones, and say, okay, if you want, you can yeah, come you at me, Yeah, you can't charge that, for God's sake. Um, so. <laughs> no. And, you know, with with that many little drone units, too, he can, he can like, starfish off of that blob, too, and so zone out um, any deep strikers coming in if they were dumb enough to do that, and um, and go out and tag objectives as he needs to. But, really, he's probably looking it's, for the it's table. It's a super feels bad list. See, like, uh, the games he lost will, will be... <laughs> not able to get to objectives and score. He can't hit characters that are like doing weird things to him or he makes a slight mistake and someone's able to charge through cover, you know, that he can't see. And yes, he'll put all the SMS into him, but like people can weather that storm. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's, it's Tau on crack. So it's, it's like, what's good about Tau? Well, you can't charge me and I can shoot you. Let's make a list where that's what, that's it. And I'll tell you what, I'm not hating on the guy, because I guarantee if we had him on this call, he'd be like, and that's all I can do, okay? That's all there is to do. And I'd be like, I know. I hear you, baby. And he's like, that's all I can do. And it's like, yeah, I get it. 
So he's he's I don't know if you 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 don't know the legend of Manny Chima, but he was dressed like Batman at the LVO. Uh Batmanny. And uh he uh he he's run he's the guy I think he started or at least he's one of the few people I know who's who's run like the hundred and eighty yeah. fire warriors as well. Like these are vintage Euro style lists, man. Like just the hardest skew possible. I I'm assuming that he's he's uh I'm assuming he's a Team England guy, or at least testing maybe a list. He's a European Frankie. He takes an idea. Might even be the captain. No. He's the European Frankie then, right? Like, he's like, I think this will be good. Let's make an entire list of that one unit. Yeah. (laughs) I think they're all all European Frankies. Uh, But, but yeah, I don't know. I think that's a hilarious raw power list. And to your point, I've seen him run this before. And if I recall, it did not go nearly as smoothly. So his opponent probably had had a... a lot to do with mm-hmm. with with the success. Um, you know, you, you come against this list; it's a it's a binary matchup. It's right? gonna work or it's not. Either. You got something you can, yeah. <laughs> so, so what are some things that that pop drones like uh, crazy? Wyverns, mortal wounds, death watch, <clears throat> wyverns. Ooh, wyverns. Okay, but the problem with death watch, right, is that they get in range. They they have to blow their load, kill as many drones as possible, then all, they all die, right? I'm not saying it's like the hard count or something like that, but yeah. they kill drones. They get to wound stuff on twos and shit okay. and re-roll, so you could even just like what you would probably do. And I don't know this because I'm not a death watch player. So before someone's gonna hop in the comments, like that's not what you would do. You could theorize this. You actually target the broadsides, re-roll everything against them, and then when they do their uh, save your protocols onto the, the, the drones. You're probably killing more drones than you would if you just targeted the drones, because you'd overkill the drone unit. Depending on what you're shooting with, especially against broadsides, they're T5. Uh, granted, they have a 2-up save, but I mean, if you've got something that's high rate of, rate of fire and like strength 7 or something, you're probably better off shooting at the broadsides. Like, blue doesn't just, just dump into the broadsides. Because you're right, yeah. If it's just, oh, if it's sorry, Jeff, I was just sort of riffing. And they have six wounds, so that's, yeah, the, that's the extra but... bullshit. You're like, God dang it. It's like, like Phil <laughs> Fulmer. I know, I know Tau's a sore right point, now. which we'll get to. <laughs> it's probably... The, the shield drones are more... The only point I was trying to make is shield drones are more vulnerable uh, when the wound is being passed off, because right. they don't get the 4-up invul, and they only get their 5-up field of pain. That was all I was trying to say. <clears throat> Alright, so we're going to go ahead and talk about David Horn's list, who also went undefeated, and then we're going to, unfortunately... Um, glazed through Simon and Alex's list, third and fourth place. Uh, David Horde went undefeated with Chaos Demons. Uh, he was running a Aramon, a Demon Prince's Inch, ten Cultists, and two Zangor Bombs, and a Thousand Suns Detachment. Uh, and then in a Chaos and Divided Detachment, he had a Changecaster, Poxbringer, Sloppity Biopiper, 30 Pink Horrors, 60 Plague Bearers, and then a Black Legion Detachment with a Jump Pack Lord, a Dark Apostle, and 30 huh. Cultists. That's... Um, then the jump pack lord didn't have a thunder hammer or anything crazy. Just he had the uh, a chain sword relic, problem. and he had the dark apostle. That chain sword with the warlord trait is doing two mortal wounds on sixes or fives if you buff him up, and you can even get to fours with the prayer. And he has like six or seven attacks, and it's a two damage chain sword. So when you say not crazy, oh my gosh. I think you're like uh, uh, I mean I don't know what I'm talking about. Right yeah, that guy's a meme right now. Yeah, it's the the cha- the chaos sword jump pack is a meme. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Up. It takes a lot though of investment to get him up to yeah. like maximum. It takes juice. the prayer for the for it to be on fives, but even on sixes, that's pretty sick. And if you hit an Imperium, anything it's yeah. just gone. 
Uh, but it's just yeah, good it, against everything is the ridiculous part. With the buffs, it, it just like it can kill Chafe, it can kill, it can put a dent in a knight for Pete's sakes. It's just really good. Yeah, and you, the the good thing is, is that's optional, right? You don't need to invest anything into him, and he's right. just a ninety four point character that runs around bullies units uh, while your giant, you know, four bombs worth of, or I guess three bombs of of Zangors and horrors just drop down and yep. blow things up, right? So you know, it's a it's a it's a really good list. I I really like this this chaos list, um, and then uh, third place Simon with Tau, and fourth place uh, Alex. Pepford with Chaos Demons, uh, an actual Chaos Demons uh, Nurgle list with some blood letters in there. I'm going to cut you off because Simon Pritis just wanted to call out because he uh, he was uh, one of the top-ranked Orc players from last year. Kept it Xenos, but flipped it Tau. Oh, and in the, interest of, in the interest of triggering Jeff some more, just want to uh, point out something about this Tau list. He uh, it's, A lot of these lists you'll see sniper drones sort of between the Riptides and the Broadsides. In this one, he brought eight oh, Piranhas. Cool. It's the Piranha meta. So that's kind of neat. That's it. <clears throat> well, what do Piranhas even uh, do then, in 8th edition? Well, I actually have not seen or faced it at all. Piranhas are sort of super fast, annoying vehicles. They come with two drones on, on each one. Uh, they're probably like T5 or 6. Uh, they move super far. I think they're like a 14 or 16 inch move. Um, and they can also, all of them can take two uh, Seeker missiles. So that's uh, 16, strength 8. D3 damage, negative two wow. shots or whatever. So it's basically a big alpha strike that's long range too. And then they can take up a ton of space because they're actually units. They don't split off when they when they deploy okay. like a lot of vehicle squadrons do now. So the that those eight piranhas are just going to have a massive footprint. You can use them to screen. Yeah, that's pretty good screening too with fly vehicles. Um, all right, the, uh, moving on to the, the hallowed the hallowed uh, GT at Nottingham. Was one, maybe I think maybe one by Tau featuring piranhas. So piranhas are spreading. Oh, <laughs> the Huskarl GT, um, forty-one players. Uh, Mr. Tim Royers beat out Trent Northington. Uh, Tim Royers' list is listed as an Imperial Knights list, though it is just an Imperium list. Uh, though I do like the list. It's it's a librarian and a watch captain. Uh, two units of intercessors. Uh, one unit of looks like ten. And then one five man unit, um, and then you need nine veteran or ten veterans with nine veterans with storm shields and storm bolters. Uh, though he has them listed in the troop slot, and they're not troops. Uh, so the, oh, this is a death watch detachment. There you go. Never mind. Uh, and then a Cadian detachment with two company commanders, three infantry squads, two by three mortars, only two heavy weapons mortar teams, a unit of Halverins or one Halverin, one Warglave, and then a Nagasalon. So kind of kind of like a, a Death Watch variant on the Castellan list, but still guard Castellan, and then he brought Death Watch with the intercessors and the veterans. Now, I really like that. Um, I, I I think that the veterans with the storm shields are are probably some of the best troops that that Imperium can bring, uh, just because always having the three up and and the storm bolter shots, uh, they're not too expensive and they get a lot of cool unique abilities. Um, that Death Watch will get access to. So I, I really like the the Storm Shield veterans. They can also hold up a knight really well too, right? So if if you if you've got a gallant coming down or or any kind of really tough thing, Magnus or whatever, they can kind of just screen and then charge it and then kind of bog them down with the three up invuln saves. So they're pretty good. And 
then uh, Trent Northington was running Gene Steeler Colt, which is interesting because he's been running Imperium for the last couple of years. Uh, but he moved over to the four-armed Emperor side, um, a side that Jeff is quickly wow. abandoning. <laughs> I feel attacked. It's it's true. It's it's uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, he brought the two Vulture gunships. Uh, but th- this is kind of the standard Gene Steeler Colt list that I I think. A lot of people are seeing um, when they're imagining the a top Gene Circle list. Uh, he's got 40 Acolyte Hybrids, or, or 29 Acolyte Hybrids. Uh, 20 have Rock Saws, and then 19 have Hand oh, Flamers with four Rock Saws. Rock Saws. I'm sorry. 20 with eight Rock Saws, and then mm-hmm. 19 Hand Flamers with four Rock Saws. Uh, then a Brood Brothers Infantry Squad detachment in a Battalion. Uh, Klamavis, a Nexus, um, and then a Mixed Detachment with the Patriarch of Primus. Three Brood Brothers squads, ten Aberrants with eight Power Picks, uh, eleven Atlan Jackals, and then uh, your Loyal 32 with two Vulture Gunships. I like it. Clears Chafe. Bikes will hit you twice. I'm guessing they all have demos. And then the Aberrant Power Unit's really fun. Juice has not been running that, but uh, it's still just such a fun thematic unit that is very good. Um, it just has a little bit more risk, right? Like it's, it's it's expensive, so if it doesn't make that charge, it gets zoned out for some reason or another. It, it feels real bad. But it's a cool list. Yeah. And, and then shout out to Scott for, for running three Night Crusaders, uh, an yes. Assassin Detachment. So so uh, the the um, Strike Force, the, the Strike, the one with one of each Assassin. I forgot what it's called. The name is yeah. escaping me right now. Oh, you did do one of each. All right. Yeah, he he did, and then he did the uh, rusty seventeen um, with three rangers, uh, three Stygies rangers with two arquebuses and one unit, um, and that's it. So it's just three crusaders, four assassins, and then the rusty seventeen, and then there you go. So that's probably what I'm going to run, guys. I own all of those models except that's I probably party. don't know all the rangers, <laughs> but that that's that's a that's a list I think I'm, I'm probably looking at running. What do you guys think about these kind of lists? So, so these kind of lists are popping up um, more often now, obviously with the assassins coming in. But it's it's basically just three knights or or any knight variant, four assassins, and then a min detachment battalion of of whatever flavor of the month Imperium choice you want, and then that's the list. Um, do you think these are like gatekeeper lists? I I, I look at them as as the quintessential gatekeeper lists uh, that knights are going to get slotted into after the FAQ. Um, but I'm just curious because these lists are popping up more, and you're going to definitely see a lot of these lists because of how easy they are to assemble. What do you think, Val? Um, I don't know. It seems I don't know. It looks like looks like it could be a lot of fun to play with, um, and depending on what army you have against as well. Um, I love assassins. I I mean I'd be I'd be really looking forward to seeing if anyone does try and compete with twelve assassins and like two Achilles strong points or something. Um, I think they're a lot of fun. I love that, you know, this is like three snoppy robots and a bunch of ninjas running around. I think that's cool. Um, and also I think it could easily be overwhelmed as well if it just hits the wrong thing. Yeah, I think it's, um, it's interesting for the meta. I think there's, for right now, and the meta's about to shift, like we all know, so it's kind of almost hard to even talk about it this way, but I absolutely agree with Val. I think you can have some pretty bad matchups where it's just, overwhelmed is the right word. It's just like, oh. There's a lot of stuff everywhere. And knights are really, really good, but they have that problem of, like, you overcommitted to one thing, the dice kind of fell on your face, and then you realize it as it happens, and it's just a matter of time. They just don't have the ability to make up for that. That's why a lot of those guard lists are really good, because they have so many bodies and so much shooting behind the knights 
that they can kind of just with volume of fire, volume of bodies, make up the difference sometimes. But when you pair that with assassins, mm-hmm. they it becomes that elite army problem where in normal dice rolling, good good decision making against general list, you're gonna do okay. But we all know it, you know that vindicator rolls that one or the vindic yeah, you like you roll the one, you roll another one, you're like oh, it happens. No. As Jeff knows all yeah, too well. it's a great list. It's really fun. I agree with that part. So it's not like... I don't think this person wrote this list and was like, this is the best list on Earth. Like, this is it. I think they were like, I like big robots, and I like badass ninja dudes, right? Like, that's fun. And I yeah. don't want to work too hard. And it can win. It's very good, <laughs> as, as is, we're talking about right now. So it's 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 fun. And I think uh, as far as, like, night choices go, you know, going with triple crusaders does give you at least yes. weight of dice to deal with, you know, large groups of hordes and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, probably it, it can probably survive through some of the harder matchups. And they have that, you know, dual role in the fact that a, a night crusader can go step Are on they crass, by still the way? hit on threes. And... They're house Tyrannus, yeah. so, so the, you know, <clears throat> they're a little more durable than your average knight, and they also zombie knight get back up. Um, their quest for Mechanicus so they can operate at top shelf, uh, you know, when they get low. Um, get repaired by those tech priests? Yeah, they get repaired because they're quest for Mechanicus. Bro, I faced um, House Crash so, for the know, first time last weekend. Oh my god. If you have vehicles, what did you Jason, play? Jason, man, the Rod Dogger himself. Oh, I didn't know you Just played Jason this weekend. Warm up. Gave him nightmares oh, for see. a while. I did, it, it, it was fine for me, but you're getting hit by uh, the Gatling gun that's doing three damage to vehicles. It's pretty sick. Yeah, it's a, it's a baby with yeah. an AK-47 right there. So, uh, and, and then uh, congratulations to Rain Man coming Rain to Man. place with, thousand, with Chaos, Mixed Chaos list. Uh, <clears throat> moving on to the, uh, I, I think, uh, no, not I think, this is definitely the largest event that happened this weekend, the Dallas Open uh, featured four players going undefeated. Um, I think there were actually five undefeated players at the event um, at a five-round event. And that's actually something I want to hit on at the very end of this, about five-round events. Um, but in any case, <laughs> we had uh, Matthew Elite coming in first place with Thousand Sons. Uh, this list is a list that I think a lot of Thousand Sons players are going to love. Um, it is actually a pure Thousand Sons list. Uh, which is really strange. Uh, it's a Demon Prince Zinch with an Exalted Sorcerer and a Battalion. 15. Can you shout out, please? Mono Faction. First place. Biggest GT of the weekend. Pretty cool. Thousand, Thousand Sons. Sons. Yeah. Oh, crazy. So he had 15 Rubric Reigns with, uh, inf- with four Inferno Bolt Guns um, <clears throat> in a Battalion with Demon Prince, Demon Prince Zinch and an Exalted Sorcerer. A second Battalion with two Terminator Armor Sorcerers with Inferno Combi Bolters. Uh, and then another 15 Inferno Bolt Gun Rubric Marines. And then a third Thousand Sons Battalion with Armon, his second Demon Princess each. Five more Rubric Marines and two Zangor Bombs. That's the list. <laughs> um, he had Guys- 30, 35 Rubric Marines, bunch of r- bunch of Sorcerer Lord dudes, and two Zangor Bombs. The guy had 30 Rubric Marines and he thought to himself, you know what this list needs? Five more Rubric Marines. <laughs> That's awesome. <clears throat> yeah, th- this was the so I I don't know much about the war the Inferno bolt gun. Um, it's a negative two bolter. It, 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 I think it's I don't know. Uh, yeah, we haven't seen Rubric Marines I think since ever. I don't I don't think I've I've seen an actual Rubric Marine on the table since a uh, narrative APOC game four years ago, <laughs> and um, they probably died to 
to Calgar or something. You know, hold up, one. I'm 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 getting Russia on the line here. <laughs> They're gonna tell me what Rubik Marines do. <laughs> um, uh, but but anyways, um, Matthew Lee, congratulations for uh, for um Lichter shaming the Dallas Open with with such a unique list. Um, he definitely did bring the heat. I do know that sixty Zangors and all those characters are very powerful. Um, and Rubric Marines, I imagine, are are slightly more durable than your average Marine, um, just because of the nature of what Thousand Suns are. So it it sounds like a, it'd be a very good list. It's a lot of tough obsec bodies running around the board with with <clears throat> a lot of good psychic shooting and and uh, the two Zangor bombs. So. And I was correct. Minus two. It's a minus two bolter, and it's going to have the beta bolter rule as well. So, um, you know, dumping a lot of negative two um, AP shots downfield. Yeah, and their their sergeant also has a, a force staff too. So, you know, the, the sergeants will get in there and beat up on on little things as well. You know, with their three attacks. So, not not a bad list. So if you're looking at Thousand Suns, you've got a lot bunch of Rubik Marines running around. Get yourself some Demon Princes and some Zangors, and and you're good to go. Uh, in second place, we had Mr. Nick Rose with Gene Sierra Colts. Nick Rose making an appearance since the LVO, I think. Um, it, yeah. I haven't seen Nick Rose in a while in a couple of tournaments. I don't know if he's been busy or I don't know if he's been not doing well. Um, but I, anyways, here he is now showing up the Dallas Open with uh, with Gene Sierra Colts with a Brigade, an Acolyte Icon Ward, a Magus, a Jackal Alphys, and a Primus. 60 Neophyte Hybrids. Four units have two Mining Lasers. A uh, Clamavus, a Kellermorph, and a Sanctus. Two Achilles Ridge Runners with uh, the Flare Launcher and Heavy Mining Laser, and then Ridge two runner. Sentinels. Uh, yeah, and then uh, three three by three heavy weapons, mortar teams, and then a mixed battalion with a patriarch, a bladed cog patriarch, a magus, twenty brood brothers, ten brood brothers, and fifteen brood brothers, uh, two Atlan Jackal units with five demo charges each, uh, and then a brood brothers detachment with a company commander, primary psyker, a loyal thirty two brood brothers detachment with a primary psyker instead of a double company commander. So. This is a really interesting Gene Sericolt list. Um, I don't see I don't see any Acolyte hybrids. I don't see any aberrants. I don't see any vulture gunships. Um, I only see ten jackals. Uh, Jeff, what's going All on? All the characters. All the characters. It. I mean, I, it's funny because I feel like I got typecast a little bit saying uh, Gene Sericolt's really bad or something like that. Like a, after Adepticon, I'm really inspired by Juice. And I think a lot of my initial reaction was just that they are not what I wanted them to be. Like, uh, I think they're just a different kind of army than what I was hoping and uh, really excited about. But that's not to say they're not good. And that's not to say they can't win. So I guess you can hear like the beep beep of the truck right now, right? But um, I like it. Like some of the fun elements in, in Gene Sierra Cult that can kind of contribute to its inconsistency is those characters, the the Sanctus with the Relic Rifle is like a Psyker Hunter, and it's really, really fun. Like, you can pretty reliably pop a four or five wound Psyker, and then they explode if they die to the perils itself that it gets caused by the gun. It's just, like, really unique and cool stuff like that. Um, but they're good. You know, it's not it's not the craziest thing to see Gene Circle do well. I mean, you're going to see more of it, too. The thing is, a lot of people bought up all those models, because they had one of the biggest releases, by the way. And it always takes about a month for yeah. people to get them on the table. It's it's the power gamers that can they have their minions and they can have it the week after, right? Um, but for for the most most people, it takes a little while for them to roll out. So that's why it's kind of a fun meta, right? Because like a release happens, and they don't usually immediately impact 
the meta unless people already had those armies. But in 8th edition, they're also reintroducing a lot of new units or, or buffing up units that you weren't using. Unless you're an orc player because you owned 100 of everything anyways. Or 20 mega knobs, I guess. Like, why did you fair, ever own that? Fair point. Um, <laughs> I only had 9. Even 9 is a lot, right? Like, when what what edition were you playing 9 mega knobs? <laughs> Jeez, it was third, goodness. actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, so, this, what do you think about the sixty neophyte hybrids with the mining lasers? He's basically just got like, like a hundred T three bodies, and then that's it, and a bunch of characters. Yeah, we were seeing some of these lists come out. There's a lot of flexibility with neophytes, and you can. Is it hive cold detachment? So you uh, can do basically, check. overlapping fields of fire with them, you get them pretty. It's bladed cog. It's a bladed okay. cog. So they, they have some in, invulnerable. I believe they have uh, invulnerable saves, right, on the neophytes. Then in that detachment, they just get kind of durable. You're just always getting a save on a bunch of bodies out there. Mining lasers. I my guys are modeled that way because in seventh they were pretty okay for the two weeks we got to play Gene Circle. Um, in eighth edition they're all right, but it still feels like Dak is king, which is nice because the neophytes bring that too, right? Uh, anytime they have to start, actually, bladed cog. Do they move without penalty and shoot heavy weapons? I think that's what they do, right? They have an invul save and they move without penalty because they're all. I don't know. You're asking the probably well, the I'll two worst what. people. I have to ask to these ask. questions now because if I do it while I'm commentating on stream, someone will be like, "I just want somebody that knows all the rules. What is this?" <laughs> I'm like, "Well, there's so many rules, man." They're like, "Shut up." Was it bla- so you just bring bla- your so you just bring your inconsistent rulings to chapter tactics where it's no accepted, I actually I, get I will it. stand by this and I'll take every opportunity to say it I think Warhammer is so fun to not freak out about knowing every rule like I love asking my opponent like is it do, does it do this thing and that thing and we talk about it and you learn you play more this like this like I can I- confirm that all models have a six plus invulnerable yeah. save and uh, <laughs> and that they do not suffer yeah. penalty to hit. And that's the other good thing, too, that weapon. I get to brag yeah. about, right? Like, I just kind of spitballed it and it was dead on fucking center right now. And these guys that pretend to know all the rules don't know Boom. shit. Nailed it. Anyways. Boom. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Count it's, it. it's, uh, Nick Rose and some of these guys were experimenting with, like, the mass bodies. And there's so much mobility on this. Like, everyone thinks about the uh, ambush stuff under the idea of, like, you show up and shoot the shit out of stuff. But sometimes what you can do is just put a 20-man block in a corner and be like, I'm getting recon. Do you want to go over there and shoot those guys that have a six up save or a five up in cover or a four up in cover actually and all this kind of stuff? Like, no, not really. And then you just kind of generate more points and then you have other things and, that kill stuff. Pre codex, Nick Rhodes was kind of doing the T3 the yeah. body stuff with yeah. um, the juiced up uh, aberrants, right? Yeah, like, I he was say even that... running. He was even running like a bunch of chimeras and stuff. He was just putting as much on the table as he could. Um, so that's sort of stayed consistent, but he's he's swapped in for a lot of the the jank, a lot of the character stuff, and it's fun. Yeah, yeah, he's been running similar lists since since before the Gene Star Cult Codex. Um, <clears throat> but anyone who lost to Nick, um, I do apologize. Frontline Gaming sold him all his neophyte hybrids, uh, so he was actually r- rushing to get them to his painter or get them painted. I don't know the details. Um, in March because they were all sold out. Like Jeff said, the Gene Circle release was one of the biggest releases of the year so far, and G- uh, GW was sold out of every major character, Acolyte hybrids, Neophyte hybrids, and the Codex for a little while. Uh, the Codex for a little while, but all those models for like more than a month. It was impossible to get them, so uh, Nick was, was pushing us, telling us to get the models to him as fast as possible. So we did manage to get them to him because we are frontline gaming. We get things done, but 
if you lost to him, we sold him those models. I do apologize in advance if he crushed you. Anyways, <clears throat> uh, moving on to third place, uh, Philip. Philip, uh, go doing it with an Inari list. Um, just quick, nope, just a mixed Eldar list. Sorry, guys, not an Inari list. Spam. Flyer spam, basically. Uh, two Skyrunners, Farseer, Warlock, Skyrunners, Bealtan, uh, Farseers, um, uh, five Rangers, t- sixteen Storm- Oldway Storm Guardians, eighteen Wind Riders. Um, I Ooh. imagine they probably have scatter la- scatter lasers. Uh, so two units of nine Wind Riders, uh, and then your your three Crimson Hunter Exarchs and two and Hemlock Wraith Fighter and one Flyer Detachment, and then your Cabal the Blackheart, three Razor Wing Jet Fighters with Disintegrator Cannons, and a second detachment. Um, you know, just seven Eldar Flyers and uh, eight, 18 Wind Riders is basically the list with, with some random dudes thrown in there. Seen more of this, too. It's fun um, seeing Wind Riders. <clears throat> like, I don't know. Is it Alex Harrison that made these people yeah, believe well, they're I- good again? He took, like, a unit of them at yep. LVO, and, and they're cool. It's But it's like, it is kind of funny, right? Like, it takes someone doing well with a unit that everyone, they know of, they have it. Like oh yeah, I guess like a lot of shots on a mobile oh, yeah. platform that doesn't attract all the attention is pretty good. And they're like yeah, I guess I'll put it in my list. Yeah, and you see these kind of trends in in like in a lot of games, right? Like even like Magic the Gathering, Starcraft, right? You you'll this guy will show up and and just dominate with a an obvious strategy that everyone could have taken if they thought of it, but this guy just brought it to this particular meta and thought of it first, uh, and now you know that you have the the train of players following along in this gentleman's footsteps. Um, and that's kind of what creates that, that meta, uh, whatever you call it, but basically lag of people where, where you get players who are like, Oh, Windrider jetbikes are amazing, but they're saying it like nine months in the future when Windrider jetbikes maybe aren't so good. Right. So I imagine in like a year, those same guys are going to say the Castellan is the most broken model in the game. But after it gets FAQ'd into the ground, we'll probably never see a Castellan relevant in the top tables again. Right. So th- that's the Windriders are, are the cool. trend right now for Eldar, uh, Inari Windriders. <clears throat> and then finally, Will Abilese, uh making a top four appearance at the Dallas Open, hot off his top eight appearance at the LVO um, with Tau. He brought his 20 crew like normal in a uh, battalion, a Tau Empire, a Tau set battalion with a Kadri Fireblade, a Commander Shadow Sun, Dark Strider, a uh, 12 man strike team with marker lights, a uh, six man strike team, like I said, the 20 crew, uh, 10 Pathfinders with marker lights, 10, ta- 10 shield drones, uh, and then a Viorla Sept with uh, Anshi, Kadri Fireblade, two Breacher teams, 11 strike teams, a Devilfish. Was already really weird, uh, and then a Vanguard detachment with his typical three Riptides, uh, one with an ion accelerator and two heavy burst cannons, and then a Cold Star uh, commander with the air bursting fragmentation projector. Um, so this wow. is a this is a really strange talus. So you, you know, on the I flip saw side, this in a Mini Wargaming battle report once. I think. <laughs> um, yeah, Will's a really good player, um, and he he's always been kind of known for creating these off the wall off meta tau lists uh that kind of differ from the other talus obviously he's got the three riptides so so he's not you know completely stepping away from a normal tau list um but uh, val i don't i'm not familiar with with most of these tau units like anchi uh dark strider um so well anchi appeared in the in the in the in the top eight LVO Talist. Um, it's he's a basically a close combat ethereal. Um, he's a Viorla Sept character. 
Um, so the Viola guys, they can uh, advance and shoot, I believe, uh, rapid fire and heavy weapons, something like that. So some of these guys are definitely piled into that Devilfish. That unit was 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 definitely at LVO. Um, the uh, interesting, he brought counter fire defense systems on his on his Riptide. So that's what gives the battle suits uh, rerolled a um, uh, rerolled a hit um, on oh Overwatch. Um, so definitely looking for some uh, close combat defense yeah, that's there. Really crazy. Shut up, Val. <laughs> um, they're Viorla though, so they're not Tau Sept, right? So they're still hitting on uh, sixes. These guys are Tau Empire. So the last the last attachment's also Tau. So they are oh. hitting on fives, rerolling. And then the airburst uh, fragmentation projector, of which he's got four. That's four d six strength five. I think maybe negative one um, uh, shots uh, that don't require line of sight, so he can just sort of park and, and try oh and blow guys gosh. away. So he just sits in the middle of the board, four d six heavy bolter shots into stuff that's that's trying to charge you from ruins, basically. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's, I, I mean, I made fun of the list, but you know, definitely thought out like he's doing things. And another ion accelerator, um, uh, Riptide, which there is, is no crazy to me. It it it, ha- it has a velocity tracker, so it might just be for Eldar flyers, right? So so he might he might be using it to pick off like one flyer a turn, maybe with it. Yeah, but like like Jeff said, I mean, if you're trying to punk that one thing that. Uh, you know, punk that one Eldar flyer, you're hitting it on sixes, even if you have a velocity tracker. I mean, Tal just can't hit them at all without the velocity tracker, so. Yeah, um, I, you know, maybe, may, I mean, maybe he does, maybe he, like, I don't know, you, you know, Will, Will's a mad genius when it comes to Tau now. Seriously. So, uh, you, you know, maybe he fakes them out and then shoots, I don't know. Does a head fake. Yeah. <laughs> mean crossover. Spin move, ankle breaker. Yep. Shoots the other thing. Anyways. Uh, so congratulations to Will, and that actually brings Tau, the Tau performance for these the top fours in all these tournaments. Tau went nineteen and one this weekend. Um, Tau is good list like at, it, at these GTs. It, it is not a thing anymore. It was like the people that bitched about Tau were kind of right, but after that um, chapter approved that lowered the cost of broadsides and a couple other things, like it's they're fine. They're in fantastic position. Yeah, and. and uh... Go ahead, Val. No, I was just pulling up. I want to see because I was actually just looking kind of closely at at Tao's T whip and their their field percentage. Both are way up this weekend. Um, they're still um, underperforming their share of the field, so they're up to seven percent of the meta, which is way up. I think they were as low as four and a half percent up going into this weekend, or at least going into this month. Um, so, like Tao players, or I guess maybe it's just the the metas that that have suddenly had GTs. Um, but they've got, um, you know, about 6% of those lists um, are making it to 4-0. So Tau definitely improving its performance um, on on the back of, of this weekend for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, speaking of uh, Tau performing well, um, with the Broadside Bash, we had two undefeated players we're going to talk about. Both of them. First one we're going to talk about, Mr. Brian Pullen. Uh Beat, beating Jeff to make it into the finals. Um, I, I don't know if, if Jeff had won that. I don't know if um, Jeff would have won the whole thing, um, but it definitely would Depends have been Jeff and Reese and I don't know both I going undefeated. Uh, well, you're always a great sportsman, Jeff, so I well, imagine, that's where I I imagine the discussion he probably gets funny. still lost to Reese. 
Oh yeah, well we'll talk about we'll, the, this. This is really great, but uh, I I don't have uh, Brian Pullen's list up. I can tell you, uh, from but I, I can basically recite it. Yeah, you know it's also on stream. But yeah, go ahead, Jeff, if you want to. Well, that knowing tells super super well, so you guys have to fill in the blanks. But it's three units of twelve drones that have, I believe, it is seven, maybe eight shield drones, and then four something like that. Um, or maybe it's just three marker lights. Marker lights. Uh, three units are identical that way or close to it. He used to be identical. Maybe they're not anymore. Um, then he has a commander with like cyclic, I believe. Uh, then he has mm-hmm. an ethereal cadre as per usual. And then three riptides, all ion. Two had velocity tracker and then one did not. And he had three broadsides as a unit. Um, there might be a... Oh, he had some gun drones too. So maybe those are separate units. But they were like smaller, I believe. That's it. That was the list. <clears throat> uh, very, very lean and mean and brutal. Um, also really well painted. Yes. Uh, but but that that's it. Uh, another another triple Riptide list making making its way to the top tables. Uh, and then finally, Mister Riccio, the man, the myth, the legend, running. Uh, I think the probably the weirdest winning list out of everyone's list. I don't know. The Rubik Marines is, is up there as well. Um, but Reese is running a company commander uh, in a Talern uh, brigade. He's running a company commander, a tank commander with a Punisher cannon, another tank commander with a battle cannon, uh, six troop choices, bare bones, infantry squads, an astropath, a Ministorum priest, nine Bulgrin, a uh, unit of five veterans with plasma guns. This is where it kind of goes off the rails. He's He's got three units of veterans with plasma guns in all of them so for 15 plasma guns and a plasma pistol on the sergeant uh and then a sentinel with a heavy flamer uh two hellhounds with heavy bolters rough riders and three uh by three mortar teams inquisitor grayfax and one uh assassin which he hasn't written down as a caladus assassin but yeah oh no it is it's an auxiliary detachment of a caladus assassin so he did not yeah and then he summons one as well that's a really cool list were you reading that in bcp no, no. So, so this list is uh, actually found can be found on the Facebook group uh, in oh. in the Chapter Tactics Patreon. Uh, Reese gave it to me. Basically, Reese is an old man um, mm-hmm. with an old phone, old brick phone, and doesn't know how to use BCP. Despite you know coming on Wednesday every week, and, and it's as and, bad uh, as it sounds. By the way, it's bothering us when he what? says he can't upload lists because his phone doesn't do it. And then lecture. I mean, people, this is your chance. This is like. <laughs> What just happened was someone gutted, like stabbed someone in the stomach with a sword and then kicked them into the Amazon where there's just a bunch of piranhas. And that's what should happen here. Uh, but his list, and we can only talk about this for this episode because after this, he actually is in danger of like literally falling over. His head could just get so big that he could not actually be bipedal. Um, so you have to be careful about that because Reese has a family and friends and a company that depends on him. So this list is brilliant. It's 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 so good. So for, we can talk about broadside in a second, but like it stays largely in part off the table, or you have like blocks of infantry that are far back and have long range, or you have tanks to shoot at if he lets you. But he very often doesn't because they have long range anyways. So and in Talon, they can they're just mobile. They can move and shoot quite well. And the list just shows up, gets very surgical, and then it's a it's a blob of Bulgren. Which he was talking about is just this hilarious trap. Like, like Reese probably shares too much with his last opponent. He's like, "Can you believe it? People keep shooting my Bulgrins, the idiots!" And he's like, "Ha ha ha!" And then he's like, first turn, I'm shooting your Bulgrins." And he's like, "What?" And they put the Luda shots like double shoots into him. I think they did 
close to zero damage, or maybe they killed Abe Olgren or whatever, but just, you know, nothing. And then the assassins pick up the slack elsewhere, but he swears by Greyfax, which I think is the most unique thing I've seen in a list in a very long time. She can target psychers. She has two denies. Uh, her gun is three damage against psychers, and it's like rapid fire one or something. She she lowers lowers yeah, charge she's ranges. Actually, just sick utility, very good. And then she, he was using her for casting a lot of dominate, and it's the worst form of takeover mm -hmm. of all of them. You just get to shoot one gun, I believe, off of something. But in one of the matchups, he was facing three knights, grabs the the Gatling gun, blasts the other knight, does like half damage. You know, drops a knight to half or whatever. Um, and then he was grabbing Ryan Mead's uh, Castellan and trying to blow things up with his Chaos Castellan as well. So it's just, it's the utility in his list and his ability to absorb the different issues that a, a GT, a five-round tournament, present you with was, was brilliant. And Reese is a scrappy, crafty old guy. I will say this, and this is where, so his head right now, by the way, is to... Like, when he's listening to this, it's probably full-on masturbation. Like, there's just no question about it. It's like a some kind of 12-year-old boy that just discovered their sexuality. So here's... I mean, I'll be honest. He, he's probably sitting in a bar right now, minding his own business as we're recording this. And he's just leaning he over it. slowly yeah, to the left for it. no reason. He so let's take him no down eye. a peg. Reese finished exactly one game out of five on time because Reese is a slow player. He needs to speed up. And the only game he finished was against Junior, who knew that he was battling a Time Lord. So he, and he also has a list that's three knights and then like min guard behind it with two wyverns. And so Junior played very fast. But Reese's list shows up everywhere. It kills what it needs to kill, and it's in combat early. So it's not like, you know, it's not like Reese strategically plays slow. It's just that with his kind of list, I was dreading playing against him because I was going to basically have to take my belt off and be like Reese. We're gonna we're gonna finish this game, or you're gonna have like a red backside or something. Like we're gonna this is gonna be tough. Yeah, give Reese the talk. Yeah, and and to to kind of like defend Reese a little bit here, the broadside bash is, is a unique event. It is a, it's a much more casual, laid back event. Um, the kind of event that that Reese would would kind of drink and, and relax and, and and show up to and and kind of like you'd expect this uh, kind of performance from Reese where, where he's a lot more laid back and I in his last performance he literally he was like Pablo don't film me I'm so drunk right now go go get Jeff and Ryan and I look over to Jeff and Ryan Jeff's got straight face uh Brian's Brian's looking you know r like he's just about to argue something and they're standing in the in the middle of a crowd of of nerdy gamers no chairs and I'm like oh I have to go stand over there squeeze through people to record Brian and Jeff um and yeah anyway so but you, you know it, he's definitely a lot more laid back he he can pick it up when he wants to uh but that that's just the kind we'll, we'll talk about this, this is important because the, the broadside bash is a it's a different event and we'll, we'll talk about a little my bit only counterpoint is you uh, can but be casual but you got to finish your games now his opponents didn't mind there was nobody like walking around salty thinking they lost on time so i don't want to yeah you're correct to make this defense i don't want to I'm mostly just teasing one of my best friends right now. Like it's it's not actually like a huge complaint, yes. but um, yeah, none of his opponents felt like they lost on time. It's just for me, just to put this out there, and I think there's a lot of people like me. I want to win or lose a game of Warhammer. I hate I hate when it gets to like the fifth turn and they're like dice down, and this hasn't happened to me in like three years, by the way. 
but that's not a way to lose a game. I want to I want to lose because I lost or something like that. I don't want to find out that I just didn't have time to get on objectives or kill something that I would have killed. You know what I mean? Which again did not happen. Yeah. So that, that don't let me miscolor Reese's win. It's it's a legit win. Everyone felt it, like they lost legitimately. It's a it's a big moment for him. It, yeah, and then that that's actually a really good just general tip. Um, you know, if if you're playing and there's there's a lot of guys like that, um, like Reese or or like uh, Josh Death who runs really complicated lists. Um, you, you know, who kind of like they sit there and they go <laughs> with their you know forge rolled unit or random other unit, their Grayfax that you don't know what they do. And they've got a lot of weird tricks and also on top of that a lot of models. There's a lot of moving parts. Those matchups can get very very overwhelming uh jeff handles them really well he's usually just like like stop what does that do stop what does that do he handles them very well um but you know in a timed environment in a tournament environment you want to be extra careful with with those kind of lists sure. right and not, not specifically those kind of players but those kind of lists the, the ones with the weird tricks and there are a lot of tricks in reese's list there's a lot of tricks in a lot of other people's lists as well um but yeah so just if you see a list like this get the chess clock out well, Yes, yeah, and, and yeah. depending on the setting. But Put to your point, focus too, on. Reese got a perfect score in... Um, he did not win Best Sportsman, but maybe he would have. I don't know how that works, but he got a perfect stro- uh, score on sportsmanship <laughs> because his opponents were having such a fun time playing against him, and he is a fun opponent. So uh, the time thing was me yeah, making so, fun so of him. He that. did fine. Everyone loved him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so so let's, let's talk about the... the the best overall and, and how that works and and i'm just going to briefly talk about it and then jeff i know jeff's got his opinion on it as well but to just kind of shed some light on the situation because i know a lot of people were asking about this uh reese and brian both went five and zero at the broadside bash uh and if you look at the best coast pairings results for the broadside bash all of the results were either 24 battle points or 12 points if you got a loss or 60 points if you got a tie which i, I think there are a few right but the the point is is there are no battle points being scored um, actually from the ITC missions, right? So if you won, you got 24 battle points. If you lost, you got 12. Also, if you won, you got 1,000 points added on. Um, so if, if, you're, if you're a quick TO kind of math person, you'll notice that there's no real room there for, for strict uh, tiebreakers, right? So the Broadside Bash, we're using uh, paint score and sportsmanship as tiebreakers for their entire event and then recording them into BCP at, Oh, as a best overall score, right? So if if Reese got first place, he got best overall. So um, even though Brian may have gotten more battle points than Reese, I actually don't know because it wasn't recorded. Uh, Reese still would have gotten first place and gotten the most ITC points because uh, the ITC last year adopted the idea or adopted the idea of uh, TOs being able to choose whether they want to weigh best overall for the ITC rank or just strictly battle points. Um, whether you like that or not, that that's uh, you know, that's your opinion. Um, but that is actually what happened. So, uh, Reese and Brian both went into the fifth round or went into the uh, at the end of the end of the tournament with five wins, undefeated. Uh, and then Reese pulled out a better sportsmanship score than Brian to win the event. I, I, I according to what the TO said. So, so Reese won, and it was very very close. Um, when when they announced it. Uh, and then, so that's why Reese has got first place and grind got second place. So Reese got best overall. So congratulations to him. He he had a well painted army. He was obviously a good sports about it. And Brian was also equally nice. He just missed out on some battle points or missed out on some sportsmanship points, probably because he was running Tau, you know. But um, but that's it. That's what happened basically. Is the event was weighted with best overall. 
Jeff? Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a silly system, but you have to kind of know that going into it. Like the 24-12 and 16 for a tie or whatever it was creates this really weird situation where there's two people with the number one next to him for ITC purposes. There's like eight people with threes. There's no twos. Like everyone else is like a four or five. Like there's all these ties because you can only go four and one or three and two, et cetera, right? Like kind of creates a weird atmosphere. So some people are thrown off by that, but Broadside's been around a long, long time and it's just always been laid back. It's always been, it's had silly stratagems. It's had silly missions. The terrain's not really, um, super competitive and it's just kind of a funny environment because for some people that's off-putting because california has a very competitive scene a lot of really good players um but this tournament has always been like yeah we're a competitive tournament but you know we're just having fun and relaxed and this is broadside the judges were just like sitting there they're not pacing the tables the final table didn't have a judge you know they're not if you go ask them a question they're like i don't know is it in the book or something like it's just it's just a fun kind of different atmosphere and the first year I went, which I've been to like five now, I was mega intense, like wanting to win everything. And it it was kind of like hard to emotionally handle. But now I've been a bunch of times, you just kind of, that's okay. So the, so it's, when we talk about it here, it's we have to give it the atmosphere of like, this is just a different kind of competitive but silly tournament. Um, am I crazy that uh, that I heard... People talking about this that Broadside Bash is not going to continue, or so, is that the con that it's part of? So, so the King Kingdom Con is not continuing. So this is the Got last it. year. That's the the con that hosts the Broadside Bash. So the Broadside Bash has, has in the past not been a part of Kingdom Con, and it's still been moving on. So I don't I don't know. This isn't insider information. I don't know what uh, John Maycomber is going to do with the Broadside Bash. Um, but they have in the past ran the Broadside Bash outside of Kingdom Con. Um, so, I, you know, I would imagine that they'd keep it running. They have their own website. They still have their terrain. So, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't know for sure. Um, but yeah, actually it, yeah. you answer the question. It's just, yeah, it's kingdom con. That's, that's, yeah, uh, kingdom con's that's gone. Don't know about broadside bad. They, John Maycomber might just call it anyways, you know, cause broadside bash has been around for a long time. I don't know. We don't know. Um, but that's it. And and then one one thing I, Jeff and I were kind of talking about before the podcast that I wanted to bring up was uh, five round GTs. Um, y- you know, there's there's a lot of these five round GTs, uh, and, and I get I get that it's hard to run a six round GT because of logistics, right? Like we we do it every Thelvia, and we're always hating ourselves for running the sixth round because you know we're literally like packing up, you, you know, a bunch of tables, moving everything around at the end of the sixth round when we could be in Vegas enjoying ourselves or the same thing with like the SoCal open or, or the BAO. Um, I think the BAO actually was moved to a fifth rounds because Reese wanted more time to, to hang out and relax instead of, you know, being up to really late packing everything up and get everything going. So I get that there's these, you know, I get that there's logistics in that, that five rounds versus six rounds GTs. There's an easy solution, but what's the solution Val? The easy solution is what we've been doing up here for a long time. And that is four and two. You do four rounds on your Saturday. And it's awesome. I lo- I absolutely love four and two. It's 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 really great. Um, it's it's a bit intense. Uh, but like heck, adopt Adepticon is is a four round day. Um, you know, I think, I think uh, it's, it's not. I'm not sure actually. Nova might do a four round day. I know a, a lot of tournaments punish the people who actually get further, uh, and they wind up doing a four round day. But yeah, I think four and two is the solution. The other thing too is with the new scoring rubric. Um, for people who care about points, um, you know, the round, the number of rounds is, is the biggest multiplier from what I understand. 
So um, going from a five round to a six round also increases the cachet of your event and the opportunity for people to get a, a really high GT score from it versus a five rounder, regardless yeah. of how many people there are. Yeah, I'm also thinking about maybe adding like a moniker, just like six rounds GT LVO, something like that. I don't know. Just adding it in there whenever I, I, I'd say the name of the GT, just to kind of push six round GTs a little bit more, you know, give them a little extra, little extra love. Um, nothing crazy. I'm not saying that there's that I'm going to favor them any more than five round GTs, uh, other than maybe just saying that they're a six round GT. Um, I do like the f- idea of a four and two. Uh, system. I've never been to a tournament where four and two is a thing, but I definitely wouldn't mind playing four rounds. I, I wouldn't actually mind playing eight rounds of Warhammer. Uh, I, you know, I come from Magic, where you you go to a Grand Prix and you start at eight a.m. and then you yeah. finish at like midnight and you've played sixteen rounds of Magic, and then you have to do the same thing if you make date. You know, like to me, that's normal. I think the the I think the casual tournament like Broadside Bash, it's 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 got its place, but for the most part, I mean, people are going to tournaments because they really want to play, you know, as many games of competitive 40k as they can. Um, right. And those who aren't into that, they they just don't do that. So I don't think there's anything wrong with going to the four and two. And I think anyone who's done it will say, you know, that fourth game is hard, but also you got to play four games that day. And um, I don't know, I, I love the four. And two. Have you ever done a oh, tournament yeah, like right. that, Jeff? The LVO is three, 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 or three, yeah. four. If you made the ghost round, I might be missing three. Right. Or three, four, four. Uh, Adepticon does four, right? But you get all four out of the yeah, way. Yeah, Adepticon and then does four. You either are qualified for the top or not. And it's like, a lot. I get that. Um, I kind of agree with Val in the sense that, like, you know what you're signing up for, right? So, like. I I have friends that just bitch, I guess. So they'll be like, oh my god, four games. But they're like, they traveled there, they paid for their ticket, they brought their army, they're there. So it's kind of silly to me. I just wouldn't go to the tournament if that's too much for you. I just love Warhammer, and if you are doing well and qualify and, and move on, that's cool. I guess I would prefer three games in a day, but um, four is not like the worst thing in the world. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's preferable to have as many six-round GTs as possible. I vastly prefer six, though, right? Like, that's the problem GTs. that Dallas ran into. There's four undefeated lists. Or five. Five okay. undefeated. And that's... Right. Well, would Dallas have even gotten... Hold on. Those those four guys, well, five guys would match off against you. They wouldn't have even gotten to uh, yeah, a, a single winner in six and, rounds. And then uh, there'd be two undefeateds, right? Or even three, I guess. The three. Yeah. Or yeah, potentially yeah, unless the one sure. lost guy the, won the thing, or whatever. Yeah, the, the thing that it really does is it changes the top eight and the perception of of, of the event entirely, right? Because with five rounds, you have a whole bunch of people who are four and one or three and one um, who are soon to be four and one who, who could have made the top eight with another round, which could have completely fipped everything, right? So you could have those five people who went undefeated after round five, round six, three of them could have just been gone. Right, and so we would have had a brand new top four where two players who went six and zero from those five and zero, the five five and zero group, still made the top four or the top eight. But then you would have you know brand new players that rose up, maybe even submarined up, and then they would get recognized and they would make the top eight, which is also ITC points too, right? Because ITC points is based off of your rank. Um, so if you had a high scoring, high three high scoring games going three and one into a five round event. Um, and you just had one loss. So, so here's the thing: like, you know, you're, the you're, more rounds, you're the more clear of a winner you get. The stress, of course, being the balance mm-hmm. of like, 
you don't want to advertise a nine or eleven or twelve round tournament to people because they'll be like, "Well, I'm not playing that. That's that's a marathon. That's ridiculous." So it's not like we get to sit here and just blame the tos and be like, "This is terrible." I understand that there's a balance, and sometimes there's also like the venue won't be open that late, right? Or the different style of right. the tournament. So I get all that. I think the the bottom line just ends up being the more able you are to clearly define a winner is important to some and not as important to others. And that's a there's a balance there. So the LBO has right. a ridiculous amount of games, but that's because that's like the year championship, right? It would be really silly if you went to that tournament, played five rounds, and there's a whole slew of people that have perfect records, but one guy got to bash a couple people a little bit harder and they're the winner. So the bigger tournaments have more of a tournament uh, playoff feel to it, and there's more games to be involved, and you kind of expect that. Hmm. I, I agree, and I'm not trying to bash. That's what I was mentioning earlier with like the logistics. I understand that that it's hard. I'm not trying to bash TOs. Um, though, to your point, if you're running a 500, 400-person GT, I feel like you should do your best to make it six I rounds agree. in one way or another. You know, like the a la the London yep. GT last year. That that was five rounds, you know, hundreds of people, um, you know. Yeah, but they're they're running battle points. I I, I think actually the bigger question, points, yeah, I think the bigger question for a TO is when do you make the jump to the three day mm-hmm. tournament? That's probably the bigger one, right? Like, like because then you're asking people to take a day off work. You know, um, it's it's such a bigger commitment. Like, I, I know LBO was probably the only you know scheduled weekday tournament that I go to. Um, you know, I'm going to try and get out to Nova this year. Um, but for the most part, that's the biggest ask. And like, I don't know, that that to me would be the biggest tipping point because GTs are as big as essentially resources yep. allow now in a lot of cases. I think the biggest limiting factor is, you know, is the TO able to store a stupendous amount of terrain and, um, you know, accept or, or take on the financial risk of booking a venue that can accommodate, you know, 100 people playing 40K. So, um, it's going to get to the point where, you know, either we got to accept the fact there's going to be basically broken down on battle points, which is what this is. Um, or there's going to have to be more three day events. And then that's such a huge risk. If you go to that third day, how many people just immediately yeah. are like, Nope, not that's in. A very good point. You know, I can't do that. What, one, one piece of advice I think I, I'll give to TOs is if you're like a Dallas open or like an iron halo or renegade open, you know, some like 100 plus person event, you've made it, you're good. I think you should probably not ask the people what they want because I, I think if you you give it to the people, you, you decide you know let your players decide. I think they're always going to pick five rounds, um, you know, the, uh, just because it's easier for them, right? So they're always going to pick like I just well, want five I, rounds. I hear you, Pablo. So I think it's tough though. Casual. They, one of the things we have to mention here is it's a business first, so it's right. it's fine and dandy for us to pretend that the clear winner is the most important part. I'm guessing it's number five. And what Val just, like, I I personally agree with you. I would love it, right? I'd love a tournament to take a stand, but it's so risky. We're not talking about them making $12 million and they're like, well, last year was so profitable that we can just live off of that. Like, if they switch to six rounds and just enough people are like, well, I'm not going then. And you don't know until you make that announcement, you you could kill your entire business. Right. So that's true. Um, but But the point I was getting to was, was um you should make the the best business decision for your event um regardless of what people are voting for because the vote could go the other way right you could go the, the people would want six rounds and then and then you'll lose all your casual players because a majority of your players wanted six rounds but the other half you, you know it can get kind of weird when you start asking the players what they want but if you're you, you know you're the TO you know the venue 
you in general have have a pulse hopefully on on your community and the players that are going to your event um and you just have to make the best business decision you can which i understand is, is probably five rounds you know for the dallas open it was probably a five round event that you know and bruce merker did a great job from what i heard coming out of that event a lot of people were very I happy could see six three um, and three but i it was val's question that i i like the uh controversy with it like to go to a weekday to go to a third day to push that i think that's yeah. really scary territory that then merges with what you said so the lvo is able to do that nova is able to do that because they got so big and established but it's risky right and you have to have like a whole con around it. you have to have this huge selling point of like this is a destination thing i don't know that just an open tournament on a weekend could ever be like come friday saturday and sunday and play you know nine games or whatever yeah that's tough yeah, but anyways, uh, l- let us know what you guys think. Uh, you can always email me frontlinegamingpdpop at gmail.com. If you're if you're a TO, you're looking for a little advice, or maybe you just want to grill me because I I said something that offended you. If I did, I apologize. Uh, I always don't try to offend, but I know sometimes that I I do get under people's skin just by saying things by being you know a person online. I think it just you know, comes with the territory. But anyways, uh, moving on, just real quick, uh, terrain at tournaments <laughs> was supposed to be the main topic. We ended up talking for almost uh, an hour and 45 minutes on just tournament coverage, yeah. um, which I think, I think is cool. But You could you could go into the archive and, and check out our, our full episode on, on terrain at tournaments. Didn't Ooh, we do a we whole one? Uh, we, probably, we probably did. A- anyways, um, we can shelve the terrain at tournaments, guys, if you guys are feeling uh, feeling like you guys just want to move on to the end. I definitely do not mind. No, we could. I mean, whatever you want. What do you guys want? All right. So, real quick, and and this is just something I wanted to talk about briefly, uh, because it was brought up at the broadside bash and a couple other events as well. Um, and that that's kind of like the standardization of terrain and and how much terrain is too much terrain, how how much not enough terrain is not enough terrain. I think we we all know where the the line is, right? Like planet bowling ball is obviously wrong. Um, too much terrain on every table is obviously wrong. There's definitely a balance there. Um, but the reason why I wanted to bring this topic up is because Adepticon really, you know, stepped up their terrain game, right? Like they were, they were known as, as the fifth edition terrain, like, Oh, you got to watch out for those <laughs> Adepticon tables, planet bowling ball. But the number one thing I got out of every single person I talked to the event was the terrain was great. The, the, you know, they really stepped up their game. Um, and it was really balanced. It was really fair. Um, you know kudos to them and, and those guys for for stepping up and, and adding new terrain to their tournament um but then also you had events like the broadside bash where uh the terrain was was really flipped right you had terrain that was crazy dense and then you had I was, bowling ball on some tables in, but i would say the actual more relevant example is london gt right where their entire tournament yes. is put into question and all their advertising yeah. well not all but a lot of what they're advertising right now is, hey, guys, this year we're going to have really good terrain. We promise. And they're showing pictures of it, and they're showing progress, right? Whereas that was the big takeaway from the first London GT, which had a ton of players and was right in GW's back backyard, but had terrible terrain. Yeah. And terrible, now terrible terrain. I am just want to jump in there, too, because I also, uh, you also made the, you started that intro with um the idea of standardized terrain and there are two tournaments that i could think of that have standardized terrain and that's nova and also the lgt as as you know criticized as it was it was still a tan a standard terrain setup across that that entire gt same, right same pink foam on every single table 
white foam? Anyway. Uh, I think it's um, McDonald's slug. That's <laughs> what I thought it was. <laughs> the, the, right, but I think the, the idea is that, like, just from a competitive, from a competition perspective, the intention of the TO, although he fell short, yeah. was to have, you know, a very similar experience on all, on all tables. Or, you know, I th- there may have been, like, a medium density and a heavy density. I can't remember. But um, very close uh, uh to all of them. And Nova is 100% dedicated to that with the Nova L and having um, the same table experience for each game. Um, yeah. So so the question here is, and, and, and from top players that I talk to, it, this is always split, right? Like I, I've never met, you know, a group of top players who are like, oh yeah, this is definitely the right way or this is definitely the wrong way. And that is... Wh- when you go to a tournament, a big tournament like the LVO, Nova, do you like standardized terrain or do you like each table to be different in a way, right? So obviously you don't want extremes like like with the broadside bash where you have really dense versus not dense. But but like the LVO, you know, highly emphasized the fact that every table was going to be different. There were going to be a lot of tables that were going to be very different. Some tables were going to have less terrain. Some tables were going to have more terrain. Uh, the layouts were all going to be different. It was definitely a not standardized terrain event versus, you know, the Nova where, where you have the Nova L and terrain is very standardized, right? So what, for you two, what is more well, ideal? Um, I, I would say the most ideal, actually, uh, is because I think the general standard of tournament terrain has, has reached a tipping point of passable quality or or above well above standards that we've seen even you know two years ago um standard train is very good in the sense that line of sight blocking is included on most tables etc where i think um we just what i would ask as a player is that going into it i have an idea of what to expect so for example um last year at the etc you know everyone kind of expected the same old very sparse etc like even their heavy train tables were generally known to be pretty sparse um and uh, last year actually they had you know it was it was cookie cutter stuff but it was very very playable and excellent and line of sight blocking and um and that was a surprise i think to to a lot of the teams and maybe not emphasized enough by the tournament this year in the etc pack um, there's actually a full proposal about each table's layout, uh, the density of the terrain, and the style of the terrain, and, and the players are going to go in knowing that. And that's probably, you know, your most competitive tournament that exists. Um, and I think that's probably the way it should go. That um, I know Reese had the aspirations of of sharing what those layouts were, kind of came up short on that. But I think that would have been beautiful because. You know, I know, I know personally people who would have brought an entirely different army had they known what the spread of the tables was going to be like at the LVO. Had they known that, uh, you know, it wasn't just going to be, uh, you know, magic boxes and line of sight blocking and, and uh, you know, some of the, you know, the, a lot of the old um, FLG ruins were retired. You know, that L ruin that, that sort of was the first piece of train that was, was launched was were removed from a lot of the tables. So the expectation shifted and so a lot of people felt like they were sort of caught unawares and so that's that's really the variable is if you're the to and if and if you are one of these big events especially that you set the expectations and you're, you're clear about what people can expect at the table adepticon people were surprised yes it's great that the train was improved but no one knew about it and so they, they couldn't prepare and anticipate that i brought 12 riptides and i'm gonna shoot everyone off the board oh Anyways, I, I just imagine one per. I, that's also a hard complaint, right? To justify, like, oh no, they they put more nice looking terrain on the table, for to sure. Make it fairer, for, but but I, that's a really really good point, by the way, Val. I'm not I'm not trying to shoot your point down. No, uh, I mean, every once in a while, Val 
opens his mouth and there's some kind of there's something going on and it's just 100 percent correct and i've got nothing to add I and mean, it just ruins my experience in the show but it's just let's leave it that's it i agree 100 <laughs> percent. nailed it done uh anyways yeah val um so uh moving on uh from the terrain topic um, we've got some extra Patreon questions. So for those of you who maybe are new to the show, uh, if you sign up for our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash chapter tactics, uh, you do get to ask us questions, which we will answer at the end of the show. We don't answer all of them. I try to answer as many as I can. Um, for the first question, uh, Mr. Robert uh, wants to know, do you foresee a point where terrain-specific tables are used at tournaments, um, i.e. Uh, every mission requires city terrain instead of field terrain? A bit, basically, a point where um, you have standardized terrain across all the tables um and, and i guess i'll add this caveat to his his uh question because I, I think that's impossible is um i guess all the large gts just like a standardized like gw releases a no. standard competitive terrain set, I, this though. is where i get the shoehorn i guess Never. some opinion on, on what val said like i just expecting is the is the gold standard but there's i i cannot imagine a world where people fight to have monotony across the board like it's it is still nice to have some diversity, I would say. I I don't know. I think when you look at um you know, esports or, you know, something I can relate to. The last time I played a, you know, online shooter like Counter Strike, those maps are the same. They're the same but different. <laughs> well, you like know, six um, maps those yeah, like, yeah, sure. saying, like so StarCraft the, 2, there's like a bunch of maps that, that you can play on. Uh, but, the, but the point still stands in the sense that there are only those six maps. There's aren't, there isn't a hundred maps. You know what I'm saying? So like there is standardization. If you look at something like the uh, Nova Pack for Kill Team last year, I bring this up all the time. It was a GW-sanctioned competitive tournament pack. And it did have standardized terrain. So I could see it as being a variable that if we are taking this seriously about how do you get the most you know, fair game between two people trying to win it, having consistency in the terrain and standard setups, I think would be a logical place for it to go. But you need an organizing body and you need people to, you know, support and believe in whatever that circuit is. And those things don't exist right now. So it's, it, it is something I, I could see the game evolving towards, but not right now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Nick has a really good question. Uh, what is the difference between a counter meta and an off meta list? Uh, so, uh, whatever I pull out of my butt to answer my, this question with, my, my diff- I guess, I, I guess I read this and I, I was thinking about it a little <laughs> longer than you two. Um, but but it, uh, to me, Nick, uh, I guess a, a counter meta list is a list that that you build specifically to beat specific top lists. Um, it's kind of like you, you you see the meta and you go, okay, this list has these specific units that that's that are designed to beat this list, and it might be the same units that everyone else is running, right? It might just be a different flavor. So instead of like a Castellan and Knight and Astro Melterum, it might be like a Castellan and and Death Watch veterans or or something else, right? So a counter meta list is is a list targeted towards the meta and beating the meta. It doesn't have to necessarily be an off meta list. Whereas an off-medalist is a list that is... Is designed by Sean Naden? <laughs> yeah, an off-medalist is a list designed like like the Rubric Marines list. So so I guess to answer your question, a counter-medalist doesn't always have to necessarily be an off-medalist. Um, but, and an off-medalist doesn't always have to be a counter-medalist. They're, they're, they're different. The off-medalist is a list to designed to be different and off-meta and catch people off-guard. Whereas a counter-medalist is a list designed to target the meta. 
Nailed it. Boom. No, if you guys have anything else to add, Uh, go ahead. I don't know. I personally don't necessarily... I mean, my philosophy is, yes, you can write like a counter meta list, but I like writing like just pretty straight all-comer take lists, but you do have to take the meta into account, right? Like if if you're like in my area, a lot of people play orcs, or I face a lot of Eldar shenanigans, and your list just doesn't have an answer for that kind of stuff, or where you're going, you know, there's other good players if you're at that echelon of, of competition, and you're like, gosh, I'm really caught off guard by, you know that guy that I knew was going to be there with that good army. And I just, my list has no answer for that. There, are, There is a certain gambit with that too, though, right? You have to like kind of add, because no one list probably has answers for absolutely everything uh, or not very good answers if it does have answers for a lot of stuff. So there is, a, there's just a calculus that you kind of enter into there. But when I think of people that are saying like, I'm taking a meta counter list or a meta, you know, off list or something like that, they're saying these are the common things you will face in four or five or six rounds. And my list is strong against that because I'm counting on facing that. And I like that. Mm. Yeah. <coughs> um, uh, Woga has a question. Uh, when you play practice games, do you intentionally use a certain um, set of terrain layouts or or intentionally set up terrain a certain way? Um, and, and I'll answer this first uh, because I play almost all my practice games in the Frontline Gaming Studio. I always like to emulate the LVO terrain setups when I when I practice um and hold on sorry I had the cough there um the reason being is because when I go to the LVO um a lot of one of my jobs is to walk around and make sure that the terrain is set to Reese's specifications which can be very vague but also in his mind very precise he, he wants all the terrain the tables to look the same um so when people ask me like PD Pop, how does this terrain like set up at the LVO and it's, it's our biggest event, so I have to really prepare for it. Um so that's usually what I'll do. So I'll have Reese, you know, build the terrain on a specific mat or I'll do it myself and I'll ask him, Hey, is this okay? Is this what kind of what the frontline gaming would expect? Just just so I have more knowledge of, of what we would do at our events, right? That that's that's but that's it. I don't really have a preference other than that. But either of you. Um, I was looking at checkmate. Yeah, <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> uh, Jeff is um his his Tyranid terrain only. So this is the only thing he practices and on. I don't like it. I, I, it's funny because it's like, I mean, I like it. It's beautiful terrain. And it's nice, but it's actually like so dense line of sight blocking that I kind of tell myself it's like practicing on hard mode. But a lot of tournaments, for the most part, even LVO, that's that's got fantastic. I would say Nova's like the best line of sight blocking. You can absolutely count on it. It is standardized. It 100% blocks shit. You can hide behind it. Like, that's really cool. It gives assault armies a chance, and it makes gun armies, like, need to make choices as opposed to just sit there and just vaporize stuff. So I really enjoy that. Uh, But my train's really dense, so I'm actually going to probably invest into some kind of, you know, fantastic frontline gaming terrain. It comes in that, like, cardboard shit or whatever. It's really good stuff. But um, there should be line of sight blocking, but not so. The finest cardboard shit. Because one of my buddies too, my roommate <laughs> Shane, that I um, with, he's like he takes Admech right now. I was like, okay, surprise. You should you should buy a hanger for Shane, you know, or or you know what, you should buy a hanger for Barristan and put him in at yeah. one of our field base hangers. That's what I'll do is actually just sit Barristan on the table. Ooh, there you go. Do we have so three still better English than LG bulldogs on this podcast? By the way, is that what's happening? 
Uh, two of them two, are yeah. Two of them are snoring in the background right now. Am I right? No, great. Um, I I can now answer the question because I heard it rephrased. Um, I would say I usually because I don't actually get to practice all that much. Um, I chose. Uh, I usually will try and play on tables that don't favor yep. what I need. I guess like not not to to the point where the game is unplayable, but like if my if I would really want a heavily dense terrain board, I'd probably try and set it up a little bit more sparsely and vice versa. So uh, with my orcs lately, I've been playing actually because they're pretty shooting yep. heavy. I have been playing um, my opponents with with heavier. I, I do want to add though, and it's setups. a little bit of a tangent, but I think the bigger point here is just play. So like a lot of times these questions get asked by people who are like. Well, I only play two games a month, but what kind of terrain should I really be like thinking about? And I'm like, hey, you just told me something that's like, this is the the problem is just play more games. Like if you have the luxury of talking about terrain and selecting yeah. it, that's fine. But don't overthink it, like play more games. If you have friends to play with, if you have a place to go, but the terrain's not fantastic, don't let that be the reason you don't play. Play first, then think about terrain. I'm constantly surrounded by Warhammer people that are like, I just want to win games, but I don't get it. I play one. I played one game this month, and it's just what's happening. I'm like, well, it's a fucking hard game, and there's more people playing it, and there's there's streams now, and there's coaching services, and there's lists being written for you for fifty bucks. Like, it's getting more complex and harder and competitive. And if you don't play, that's the first thing. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. <clears throat> All right. So that that's it, guys, for the episode. Uh, shout out to the episode, um, <clears throat> the episode sponsors, uh, the Boise Cup. Yeah, shout out, shout out to the episode. You were great. <laughs> I I can't no, tell if not. you guys are being so. Connor, <laughs> actually, shout okay. out the episode. Well, itself. thank you, thank you very much. Thanks, thanks, guys. R- really appreciate it. Yeah. I did love all the tournament talk. Um, but of course, Throne of War GT in Holland, Hawaii is already. I think it's already sold out. But if you're still going there, buy a ticket anyways. Show up. I'm sure we'll make room for you. Um, uh, and then, of course, the Boise Cup GT in Idaho coming up at the end of June. Uh, as always, check out In the Finest Hour. Check out Jeff's new show, although they did have episode six recently, mm-hmm. so it's not not brand spanking new. Uh, the Deadpan Diaries, um, quickly becoming one of my favorite shows to self-reflect and feel terrible nice. about myself. Um, That's what we're going for. Just joking. That's it's exactly, but it is a good show for self reflection. Definitely, let's note that. Um, and then uh, Val, do you have any do you have any shout outs or plugs? Yeah, I got a plug. I plugged it a bunch last year. It's coming up again in uh, I want to say July. Um, Tabletop Gaming Expo in Toronto, and I'm switching over to the TO role this year, uh, which uh, will be exciting. Switching teams, uh, so we'll see how that goes. Maybe I'm going to switch it up to four and two. Uh, I do want to Jeff? plug, it's seeming like every Tuesday we're creating a culture of streaming Warhammer on my channel on Twitch, which is In Control TV. Um, I'll try to do a better job of advertising that. I usually tweet it from In Control TV on my Twitter, but uh, you know I can post in the Patreon group or whatever. Um, it's pretty casual. It's usually four or five or more guys hanging out talking, but also playing Warhammer. And it's a great place to ask questions and catch illegal lists that we're all trying to write and stuff like that. So... Uh, you can count on that. It doesn't have a specific start time on Tuesdays, but it's just tomorrow and every Tuesday so far. We've just been streaming a bunch of Warhammer. And then we put it up on YouTube for like four-hour blocks of just guys rolling dice and playing the game, which again is in Control TV on YouTube as well. So make sure and check that out. Uh, otherwise, I'll be at the Battle for LA trying to reclaim my lost dignity. No. Oh. 
<laughs> uh, <clears throat> and as always, go to FrontlineGaming.org, where you can purchase all your tabletop goodies, 40k stuff, secondhand store, which absolutely killed it at the Broadside Bash. Uh, one person, true, f- true story, did buy uh, for $350 an entire 30k Sons of Horus Terminator army. Um, complete with Abaddon and deep struck it onto the 30k APOC table um, and nearly won the game for his his team, his chaos team, while the Terminators held all the objectives and kept like three Primarchs in the backfield while the tank, the chaos tanks moved up. Um, so very funny. You do get good deals like that. Yes, it was a lot of Terminators. And yes, $350 for that many nicely painted models is an insane deal. Um, though the, the guy, a buddy of mine... Um, gave him a deal because he bought them all but yeah you can get those kind of good deals at the secondhand store and of course you can buy flg mats and itc terrain as well uh thanks very much for listening hope you guys had a good one and have a good day